0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money saver tire and service deals today.
1: Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by.
0: Time now for the character & Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire & Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Leave shoot and a save made by Bennington. No, it's it went in. in. It's in. It's that in puck map. went in the net. It goes underneath Bennington, and one too many times going backwards for the Blues bites them big time. It's
2: six to five, Toronto, with 3-10 to go in the third period. Frustrated, Jordan Kyrou chucks the puck to the wall, and a mental gap by the Blues late in the third period costs them a regulation loss tonight on home ice. Good
3: morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Happy Monday at 701, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker, and good morning. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing wonderful, Randy. Good morning to you, and what a weekend of sports we had.
3: It was wild and crazy and fun. It was disappointing at times because of the Blues loss, and... Heck, that was a fun game. You're down 3-1 after a period to Toronto, and you're thinking, oh, well, this is just going to be one of those games. Yeah. And then the Blues come back and outscore the Leafs 3-1 in the second period before losing 6-5, and you have a lead in the third period, too. That kind of got disappointing.
4: That game was an emotional roller coaster. It certainly was an entertaining game, albeit with a disappointing loss. And you know what they needed to do in that third period, Randy? It was an old recall from our friend Doug Armstrong. They needed to take the knife and jam it into the eye and into the brain and kill him. The The Blues needed to put their foot on the gas in the third period and they just didn't and then with three minutes and 15 seconds left in regulation Toronto just made him pay and that was the game
3: and there is a lot of consternation in St. Louis about Jordan Biddington and whether or not he can still summon the magic that he summoned in 2019 and yesterday after seeing the tape Craig Bruby was asked about Binner
5: and also in Bennington, yeah, and our, our team. So again, it's a team. Binner, he's played some good hockey for us. You know, you go Dallas game, he played well, we won 2 1. Uh, the Edmonton game yeah, made some big saves in the third period, uh, we won that game. You know, you look back at the Pittsburgh game, we didn't play very well in front of him. Uh, he, he hung us in there. Um, you know, it was kind of a weird ending to that game, but. Um, You know, we have all the faith in the world in Binner. Um, You know, again, yeah, he has bad games like everybody has bad games.
3: They have to have faith in Binner because he just signed a six-year contract. But he has not been as magical as he was in 2019. And a lot of times he hasn't been up to NHL standards. You can't allow three goals in a game as often as he has and four goals in a game as often as he has. And that's that's costing the Blues. When you you allow six goals, even to a team like Toronto, mm-hmm. as talented as they are, you just can't expect to win a game.
4: No, and there's games like that one that I'm sure Jordan Bennington would like to have back. And then there's been games where we've seen that 2019 Jordan Bennington again. But I think the problem is, Randy, is that's always going to be the standard with which we compare Jordan Bennington to. And that is unrealistic. It's almost as if we need to look at the body of work minus the 2019 run that he went on. Because that is always going to be the outlier. It's not sustainable. So if you look at everything – and. And I'll almost throw out the bubble, too, because that affected the Blues as a whole. That postseason was obviously something that was unprecedented, and it impacted Jordan Biddington and the team in various ways. But when you look at what he's done since then, it's been a lot of highs and a lot of mm-hmm. lows. And I think for Blues fans, they're just looking for a little bit more consistency.
3: And he's 30th in the league now in goals against. And you'd expect him to be top 10 Mm -hmm. at least, but when you have a goals against of um, over three, that's just not something that is sustainable in the NHL these days. The the best goalies are right around two yeah so he's a full goal a game beyond behind what the best
0: guys are doing
4: and speaking of behind the guys behind him have come in and done a good job when Jordan Bennington hasn't been between the pipes Billy Huso, so we all know mm-hmm. Chucky e. Sideburns what Charlie Lindgren did and how excited fans were about him and I think that that ramps up the feelings that the fans are having knowing that they've seen other guys get in there and perform
3: and tonight is the Blues retire Chris Pronger's <laughs> number 44 Michelle I wonder if they go with Huso. Seven zero and 0 in his last eight home starts with a 1.38 goals against a 9.55 save percentage. And right now, as we speak on January 17th, 2022, Huso is a better goalie than Jordan Binnington
4: and you at want, the moment. And you want to win every single game, but especially a night when you're honoring one of the greatest blues ever. Mm-hmm. That's a game that you don't lose.
3: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what direction Craig Ruby decides to go. So the Blues fall 6-5 to Toronto. It was also a great weekend in the NFL. Saturday, Michelle's guy, Joe Burrow, and he was the star. It wasn't Joe Mixon, as Randy had predicted. Burrow and the Bengals knock off the Raiders 26-19 and your guy Joe 24-34 for 244. A couple of touchdowns and no picks. And you're wearing the colors today.
4: I am wearing the LSU colors. That's right. My, um, my purple and gold today representing for Joe Burrow because one of my bold predictions on Friday was that the Bengals are gonna be playing in the AFC Championship game they're one step closer but we're gonna talk about this more at length and fourth downs Randy but when you take a guy number one overall whether he's a quarterback a defensive end wide whatever it is you expect him to be a transformative piece for your organization and that's exactly what Joe Burrow is
3: Michelle this was the first Bengals playoff win since 1991 The first text was sent in 1992. So on Saturday night, somebody texted about a Bengals playoff win for the first time in history.
4: Yeah, that's a great point. (laughs) Think about that. We couldn't even text the last time the Bengals were in this position. It's been a minute. And it was a good weekend overall for long-suffering fan bases. We're going to get to Buffalo, I'm sure, but that's what's made this postseason really fun because it really kind of is anyone's ballgame at this point. There's more parity, I think, in this postseason than we've seen in the NFL in a while. And you have some faces like the Bills who have been there before, but long-suffering fan base and the Bengals. It's been yeah. fun.
3: Buffalo pulled out the old steamroller against New England, rolling the Patriots 47-17. Congratulations to Bills <laughs> Mafia. We're going to talk to Donnie Fandango of Bills Mafia and of uh, 105.7 The Point and 106.5 The Arch later in the show. Bills made history. They scored on all seven possessions they had, scored touchdowns. It's the first game where a team had no, and this is playoffs and regular season, first game ever where a team had no punts, no turnovers, no field goals, just touchdowns, seven drives, seven touchdowns.
4: At points of this season, we thought the Patriots may have found a little bit of that magic that they've been missing since Tom Brady left to go down south. Mac Jones at points looked like he might be the guy that they finally hit on a quarterback in the post-Brady era. I say finally as if it's been decades, but if you're a Patriots fan, you just probably felt like you would never get somebody like that. But it just felt like Buffalo made a statement with this game. It almost felt like an exorcism at points because they were like, you have tortured us for so long and and mm-hmm. here you are with a team that shouldn't have been here, and you're you're still in a playoff position. We are going to make sure that everybody knows that it is Buffalo's time in this division.
3: So Buffalo advances to next weekend, as do Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They took care of the Eagles yesterday 31-15. Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski combined for 14 catches for 156 yards, and the Buccaneers defense shut the Eagles out for the first three quarters. Eagles were uh, of all of the teams in these playoffs, all 14 teams. Eagles were where you know one of these teams is not like the other. Yeah. They were they were the non-playoff team of the playoff team. It's teams. like
4: the second wild yeah.
3: card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they didn't get uh, much accomplished and they're hoping for next year. But uh Brady and the Bucks move on. They'll play the winner of tonight's Cardinal Rams game next weekend. It was the 49ers over the Cowboys, Michelle. Well, let's get to Kansas City first. Let's okay. let's let's do that because they were fun and
4: less controversy in that one yeah <laughs> a,
3: a little less controversy as the chiefs roll 42 to 21 in what was ben roethlisberger's last game it's already a 21-7 game when a little razzle dazzle from the chiefs comes to the fore.
6: chiefs are brought in an extra lineman they have an eye formation a couple tight ends third and goal at the one mahomes under center he gets the snap he fakes the handoff he rolls he looks he throws caught touchdown and allegretti allegretti the extra lineman who we mentioned catches the ball as he was running parallel after giving an initial block in the end zone and a little touch pass of about four yards in the air to the lineman and the chiefs get a touchdown pass another one a one-yarder from quarterback patrick mahomes and the lead goes to 27 to 7 kansas city early in the third
3: there in the third quarter. And the game is at 35-14, Michelle, early in the fourth when Andy Reid and Eric Biennemi went
6: back to the trick book. There's an offset eye. Now they go in the pistol. And now they backpedal with Kelsey in the shotgun on a first and goal at the two. Mahomes in motion. There's a direct snap and it goes to Kelsey. Then throws the ball in the end zone. Touchdown! The tight end just threw a touchdown pass to Pringle of two yards. We're seeing everything being pulled out of the bag tonight. Andy Reid calling a masterpiece. Sixth touchdown pass by the Chiefs, but that one by the All-Pro tight end. And the Chiefs are running away early in the fourth, to
3: 41-14. And they did run away, 42-21. Kevin Harlan, the call last night here on 101 ESPN. I have no problems with plays like that. I just, if I were the Chiefs, I might have been inclined to use them for what I perceived as a tougher team.
4: I was thinking the exact same thing. You knew that the Steelers were an inferior opponent. Heck, Big Ben was saying this week in uh, after practice that we've got nothing to lose. We shouldn't be here. We're not that great mm-hmm. of a team. He even knew it, but... When the Chiefs are playing like that, I know it was an inferior opponent, but they're showing everybody we're back. We are the Kansas City Chiefs. We're a Super Bowl contender, and you're going to have to get through us if you think that you're going to walk home with the Lombardi. But I'm with you. I, I know after the game, I was reading a lot of the quotes from Patrick Mahomes, and he was saying that the team was mad at themselves. They weren't playing with enough energy, which is why they turned it on and cruised through the second half. But... I I would just think that they would want to save stuff like that for later in the postseason, knowing that you have this one in hand versus the Pittsburgh Steelers.
3: And, Michelle, the final game of the weekend that we have not talked about yet, the Niners advance with a 23-17 win over the Cowboys at AT AT&T Stadium at Jarrah World. And they're showing these shots of Jarrah, so sad, just despondent in his luxury box at AT&T Stadium. I really felt, I don't know about you, I really felt really felt, legitimately bad for Jarrah and his family because he's 79 years old, Michelle. I don't know how many more opportunities he's going to get to win another Super Bowl.
4: I just don't know. I can feel your sadness, Randy. I can feel how badly you feel for Jerry Jones. And what a bummer, too, for Jerry. He comes out and says it's Super Bowl or bust, and then Mm -hmm. it's clearly a bust. Bust, Uh, His billion-dollar baby in that stadium, fighting against him with the sun and the jumbotron. I mean, it's just a really sad situation to see, isn't it?
3: And he hires a coach that he can control, and we're going to get to that in a moment. Let's get to the third quarter, though, 16-7 game, and San Francisco exceptionally well well coached. They do a lot of creative things and they have Debo Samuel on their team.
0: Niners have it. They take over at the Cowboys 26, first and 10 off the right hash from the gun. They hand off to Samuel, running right, cuts back inside the 10 to the 5. Samuel's going to score. Touchdown. A 26 yard catch and run from the feet of Debo Samuel and just like that San Francisco with a 22-7 lead with under 6 lefts in the third quarter
3: 23-7 into the fourth quarter the Cowboys did score 10 and on the last play of regulation, they had a chance to set themselves up for a Hail Mary as Dak Prescott, with 14 seconds left, runs down to about the 25-yard line, a 14-yard pickup, hands the ball to his center to mark it himself. He's got to give it to the umpire so the umpire can mark it, and the clock runs out. So the coach that Jerry Hand picked, Mike McCarthy, calls a bad play. I, I don't well, I, I don't think the play call was bad. I think the execution of the play was bad. He's got to go down. Prescott does with more time left on the clock.
4: Yeah, you need at least 16 seconds to make the play. So why is that the play call?
3: Yeah, And you have a couple of opportunities from where they were to throw the ball into the end zone. I don't know. So you had two plays rather than taking one and never getting the ball near the end zone. I don't know why you just don't drop back and throw it from the 40.
4: Yeah, why not? Hail Mary. It. A lot of people last night and I'm sure today, Randy, calling for Mike McCarthy's job after that mm-hmm. play call. What do you think about that?
3: I don't generally like to make a judgment about a coach who just won a division based upon, and I know Cowboy fans hate this idea. I don't think one play call is a reason to fire a head coach. This is a guy that has a history. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been to the playoffs more times than not. But if they have a guy for that team that is set up to win now that they think they can plug in and do a better job, then they should hire him.
4: And I don't know if that person exists, or at least if Jerry will hire that person. I mean, think about the Jason Garrett era. Cowboys fans obviously were not satisfied with the Jason Garrett era. It seems like from the second he got the job until the day before he was fired, he was on the hot seat Mm -hmm. for, for many years. And... I just wonder, though, if you heard Jerry's comments post game about the talent that they had on the field, the caliber of talent saying that you deserve a much better result than that, did not say anything about the coaching staff if he, in fact, is going to go down that road. Because as you mentioned, he's not getting any younger. And this is somebody that all he wants is to win another Super Bowl. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Mike McCarthy get the boot and Jerry go out there and get somebody that he thinks can get the job done. What about B-Flow?
3: He would be interesting. But I think Beeflow might want to actually be a head coach rather than be Jerry Jones' puppet.
4: He'd also they'll de- de- want a job.
3: He might be yeah <laughs> he he might be better for that team. Houston has already interviewed him. The Bears have already interviewed Beeflow. Wouldn't be a bad call on Jerry's part to at least make the phone call. To Brian Flores. All right. We are off and running here on 101 ESPN. Blues and Predators tonight, six o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. And right at the beginning of the program, we will have the Chris Pronger number retirement ceremony live for you here on the radio. And then on TV, of course, you'll be able to see the Cardinals and the Rams playing their playoff game. uh, Go Big Red tonight. (laughs) That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Start one, bench one, cut one on 101 ESPN. (laughs)
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: It's time for Start 1, Bench 1, Cut 1 on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. You can text us 65780 if you would like to participate. What you try to do with Start 1, Bench 1, Cut 1 is make it really, really difficult and almost unfair for (laughs) the other person. So, Michelle, I'm going to start with this. Start 1, Bench 1, Cut 1 on this day that the Blues retire number 44. Chris Pronger, Al McInnes, or Alex Petrangelo?
4: Oh, that is really almost impossible so (laughs) how am i supposed to choose between these three randy you could put them in any order and make the argument that it's right and put them in any order and make the argument that it's wrong
3: yes you could
4: can i just say that it's a push for all
3: three no you you gotta have a take here michelle
4: okay so normally i would just say i'm going to cut petro and maybe it's because of the era I grew up in and how in awe I was of Al McKinnis and Chris Pronger. Mm-hmm. But this is the guy who hoisted the Stanley Cup first mm-hmm. for the first time in franchise history. So how can I cut him? But I think if I'm just going off who I would like to have out there, like if I was building my team and I was having to draft them, I think I would draft Chris Pronger number one, chopper two, Petro three.
3: I am exactly in line with you. Pronger. Heck, he he won an MVP, and defensemen just don't win MVPs. He and Bobby Orr are the two to win a Norris Trophy and an MVP. He's in the Hall of Fame. Chopper is in the Hall of Fame. Chopper has a Stanley Cup, but it wasn't here. It was Mm -hmm. with Calgary, so I didn't see it. But uh, Hall of Famer and Norris Trophy winner as well, and one of the best ever to play the game. And then Petro, while he did lift the cup for the St. Louis Blues, at this stage, I don't see him going to the Hall of Fame so I'm gonna start pronger I'm gonna bench and I'm gonna cut Petro
4: that's a really tough one yeah good one okay so we know that Ben Roethlisberger likely played his last game in the NFL last night start one bench one cut one quarterbacks in their prime okay not what team they were on if you were starting a team from scratch and you could have this quarterback in their prime Mm -hmm. who would you like to build around Peyton Manning Ben Roethlisberger Tom Brady
3: uh, okay, I know this is going to, this is going to, well, first off, I'm cutting Ben. So am I. I believe, you say it, it doesn't matter what team they're on. I believe if you put Peyton Manning where Tom Brady was, he has more prolific numbers than Brady did.
4: If he can work with Belichick? Like if they were paired together, you mean?
3: Yeah, if he could have that sort of protection and that sort of running game and that sort of defense. I mean, he went to the Super Bowl with the 32nd right defense in the league. So I I think I would start Manning, bench Brady, and cut Roethlisberger.
4: I think I would do the exact same thing. And we know Tom Brady can win through any circumstances and elevates those around him. But if he had gone to a different organization, what would he have looked like? Would he Mm -hmm. have developed into the Tom Brady that we know him to be today? Whereas Peyton Manning's the type of guy you could have put him on any team, and he he would be Peyton Manning. Right.
3: And by the way, we kind of dismiss Big Ben, but you talk about putting a guy on any team. Big Ben, because of his ability to shed tacklers and because of his, of his physical prowess and presence, Big Ben would have made a bad team better. Mm-hmm. He, he suffered the most sacks of any quarterback in the history of the league. So I, I really do, I don't disrespect him. We're just talking about maybe one-two all-time And then Ben Roethlisberger.
4: Absolutely. All right, should we get to some text? Let's do it. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Send in your start one, bench one, cut ones. How about this one, Randy, from the 503? Start one, bench one, cut one. The Patriots getting blown out in record-setting fashion (laughs) this weekend. The Cowboys losing a heartbreaker yesterday. Or the Rams losing tonight. Okay. I feel like this one is specifically targeted towards you.
3: Yeah, it may be. Okay, uh, I have to, I, I'm going to start a Rams loss tonight. This is really bizarre for me, by the way, that I'm going to cut the Patriots getting smoked by Buffalo. But I, I'm benching the Cowboys, and I'm doing this basically by owner, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, I've got, so let's couch it this way. I'm starting Cronkie losing, I'm benching Jones losing, and I'm cutting Robert Kraft losing.
4: I think I'm going in the exact same order. I'm always going to start the Rams losing. And I think seeing Jerry be so upset yesterday was really sweet.
3: Yeah, satisfying.
4: It was satisfying. That's the word I was looking for. Thank yeah. you. And having the stadium the thing that he built be part of the reason was just – like if tonight somehow something happened with SoFi or, and it was part of the Rams – or I guess last weekend when the 49ers fans infiltrated, that's something that they created that, that their greed – somehow Mm -hmm. comes back to bite them makes it that much sweeter you know
3: what else is cool michelle for people of my age and a little bit younger and a little bit older We spent a good portion of our lives having the Cowboys find a way to win that game, getting the extra, the officials would find a way to get an extra second on the clock and then they'd get the Hail Mary. They got every single call and things were set up by the league to go to the advantage of the Cowboys. And now, especially because you've got essentially the commissioner owning the Cowboys, the fact that they didn't get the call is awesome.
4: The commissioner. He is the commissioner. Yeah. People call him the shadow commissioner. It's, he's not in the he's shadows. He's no. the commissioner. Yeah. From the 314, start one, bench one, cut one. To be a participant on these shows. The Price is Right, and this is an important caveat, yes. in the Bob Barker era. Okay. Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune?
3: This is actually very easy for me. I would start The Price is Right. I would bench jeopardy and i would cut wheel really the reason is because i think there is too much of a game of chance on wheel i hate it when people land on bankrupt drives me crazy
4: (laughs) but that's the risk you play but here's the thing
3: michelle if i were on wheel and it would land on bankrupt you know what would happen right you'd like
4: rage blackout
3: and i'd pick up like the stick that you spin the wheel with and i'd break it and throw it.
4: Yeah, you would, absolutely. You'll yeah. probably hit Pat Sajak and knock him out.
3: Right. <laughs> so yeah.
4: i don't know why you're not starting wheel of fortune. <laughs> I want to see you, you rage blackout on for wheel. <laughs> so but i'm also not i'm also kind of surprised that mega mind did not pick jeopardy. Because you would thrive on jeopardy.
3: Sports jeopardy is the play, but overall jeopardy i have no chance. I, they ask about historical books in uh, in real jeopardy i Books, Randy? No, come on. (laughs) Sports books? Okay, maybe we can do that.
4: (laughs) You would have a clean sweep probably of the sports sections, though. That might be enough to carry you to victory. And the
3: typical Jeopardy! contestant has no clue about sports. It's unbelievable.
4: They could ask the most benign basic sports question. Something about Tom Brady. And people be like, who? Who? Right. So I think I would go Price is Right, especially Bob Barker Eric. Give me the showcase showdown. I want to win the car or the boat. Yeah. Wheel of Fortune is going to be next for me because I think it would be fun to spin the wheel.
1: Mm-hmm. And
4: I think I'm better at figuring out a phrase than I am at general trivia knowledge. So I'm cutting Jeopardy.
3: Fair enough. Good good deal. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. The super wildcard weekend in the NFL is almost complete. One more game tonight. Coming up, four downs with character and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: Time for four downs.
0: First down.
3: There we go. First down. Now, Michelle, something very unusual happened to Bill Belichick and his New England Patriots the other night, courtesy of the Buffalo Bills.
0: 54, Allen pointing out Dante Hightower as the middle linebacker. Blitz is on. Allen with a pocket holding, launches deep, looking end zone open, target caught. Emmanuel Sanders, touchdown, Bills, a 34-yard strike. And it's
4: 33 to 3. As Randy raises his arms in victory. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and Buffalo rolled 47-17 over the Patriots. In 18 seasons with Tom Brady as his starting quarterback from 2001 to 2019, minus the time that Brady was hurt in 2008, Bill Belichick went to the playoffs 17 times and went 30-10. and That was the normal. Now, this is why it was unusual for Bill, because he was pl- had his team in a playoff game when he didn't have Tom Brady as his quarterback. In nine seasons... Without Tom Brady as a head coach, Bill Belichick has had two playoff seasons, Mm -hmm. two out of nine without Tom Brady. He has a one and two record. And by the way, that playoff win without Tom Brady came in 1994 with Cleveland. Another BB, Brian Billick, also coached nine years in the NFL without Tom Brady as his quarterback. He went to the playoffs four times rather than the two that Belichick has gone to. He went five and three in the postseason, as opposed to Belichick's one and two, and he won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer as his quarterback. Brian Billick, Bill Belichick. Plus for Bill, Billick, minus for Belichick. Bill Belichick in his career, including the playoffs. Has 249 wins and 75 losses with Tom Brady as his quarterback. He's 72 and 81, including playoffs, with somebody not named Tom Brady as his QB. 219 and 64 in the regular season, 71 and 79 without Brady. And here's the real cruncher for BB the winning percentage for Bill Belichick without Tom Brady is 473. The winning percentage for Jeff Fisher without Tom Brady is 512.
4: Oh, ouch. Ouch. So,
3: essentially, Bill Belichick is a fraud, and he's a product of Tom Brady.
4: So, you know that I think Bill Belichick is one of the greatest football minds to uh-huh. ever exist. However, I'm going to throw some logs on your fire. Even with Brady, how many of those Super Bowls or playoff runs have been tainted with the the proof or suspect of cheating?
3: Well, at least the first three Super Bowls.
4: So, I'm just saying. <laughs> But obviously in this divorce, Tom Brady is winning.
3: Tom Brady is winning. I
4: I would say that no matter what Belichick does after this, Brady has won, period.
3: And BB did say yesterday that he wants to coach into his 70s now.
4: Which (laughs) is so interesting because he said for years that he wasn't going to be that guy in his 70s on the sideline. Mm -hmm. But I wonder how much Brady's success in the divorce era has him motivated to continue on.
3: I would think so. Better get a quarterback that can complete a pass more than 20 yards downfield.
4: I don't, he's such a football historian, and I know that he thinks about game to game. You know, we're on to Cincinnati. Yep. I'm sure at some point he's thought about his legacy as a whole. And,. It's going to be very interesting the way that we view, view Bill Belichick because, of course, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame and, of course, he's going to be held in very high regard. But he went from a guy who would be the unquestioned, probably greatest, or at least on the Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. of greatest, to he didn't do it without Brady. He had to do it with cheating. Look at his coaching treats, essentially non existent. You know, there's a lot of things now that are working against him from a legacy standpoint that I think are probably motivating him to continue on and prove himself.
3: Michelle, Joe Gibbs won three Super. Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks.
4: It's impressive.
3: Yeah. So Belichick is one with one quarterback.
0: Second down. Joe Burrow up under center. Burrow takes the snap. He drops to an E, and that's it. They can officially celebrate here in Cincinnati. For the first time since 1990, the Bengals are moving on in the postseason. Bengals 26, Raiders 19.
4: Well, speaking of quarterbacks, when you draft a quarterback number one overall, you expect big things transformative things. If you're picking in that spot, you need something franchise altering. And after Joe Burrow tore his ACL last season, Bengals fans were probably holding their breath. They didn't know if he would turn out like Sam Bradford. They wondered what their fate would be. Well, Joe Burrow is, in fact, who we and Bengals fans thought he was, leading the team to their first playoff victory in 31 years, a 26-19 win over Las Vegas this weekend in the AFC wildcard game. Burrow went 24 for 34 for 244 yards two touchdowns. He led an offense that scored on six different drives. His fellow Tiger, Jamar Chase, also with an awesome game, nine receptions for 116 yards. Yes, there was some sus officiating, but this does not take away from the joy in Cincinnati. A crowd of 66,277 fans. It was the biggest crowd in Paul Brown's stadium history. They caused three Raiders false starts in the first quarter, and for good reason, they're excited because they have their guy who will hopefully take them to the promised land. Now we need to start having conversations about Joe Burrow is he a top 10 quarterback in the league could he jump into the top five after an impressive postseason run here's the thing if he's not now he will be in the future because he has all of the components to be one of the greats he makes everyone around him better he is built for pressure and he is a proven winner the Bengals say who day they're going to need to change their slogan because everyone is going to be aware of the Bengals as long as Joe Burrow's their quarterback
3: He, as you mentioned, the components to win. He has such great talent around him, too. Taking nothing away because we know, like you said, that he can elevate players around him. They're loaded, and they're going to be good for a long time. And this isn't Carson Palmer coming from USC. This isn't Andy Dalton coming from Texas. This is a home state guy that wants to be a Bengal. He's one of them. It doesn't get any better for a midwestern city that has cold winters like St. Louis does than having a hometown guy be the hometown hero. We know it all too well mm-hmm. here in St. Louis. So cool for Cincinnati fans.
4: And what we had was a guy in, in David Fries who had a moment and a guy in Pat Maroon who mm-hmm. had a moment and not, not taking away from their careers as a whole, but we remember them for a moment. This is someone that they're going to be able to grow with and experience his entire career with. He's gonna give them multiple magical moments, not just one that we look back on.
3: And by the way, Just to deviate just a little bit, how about Zach Taylor getting a game ball? on the way home, and he said, from the time I got the job, I've been thinking about how I want to reward the fans here when we won our first playoff game. So on his way home, he and their punter go to a bar, get up on stage, and they deliver a game ball to Cincinnati at the bar.
4: And this was a bar that he drives by all the time, yep. and it's always packed with Bengals fans, and something that he's been wanting to do and marinating on for a while. If you're a Bengals fan and you're waking up this morning, you have to feel pretty good. You've got your quarterback, you've got your coach. Both of them are smart football guys mm-hmm. and they get it which is half the battle they get it
0: third down
3: michelle as we know and we haven't been immune from it jimmy garoppolo gets a lot of grief from a lot of people heck even his own team mortgaged the future for his replacement but yesterday garoppolo moved to three and one in playoff games yes he's only completed 64 percent of his passes in the postseason and yes he only has a couple of touchdown passes and four picks but there's some guys that just understand how to win a football game. He doesn't try to do too much. He doesn't play hero ball. Jimmy G is kind of like the Blues. He He's not the MVP. He's just good at executing a game plan and finding a way to win. And after I watch him all the time, I wouldn't be surprised if he went into Green Bay and not because of him, but with him they found a way to win.
4: The Italian Stallion just gets the job done. He really does and I like that he continues to be underestimated and overlooked in a lot of ways. It's kind of working out for him to fly under the radar.
3: Yeah, another Eastern Illinois guy, by the way. That's right. Having success and getting things done and kind of a a quasi-hero for a while, at least. Whenever you knock the Cowboys out, you're kind of a quasi-hero.
4: At least to you. Yeah.
6: (laughs) Fourth down. Good block by the right tackle. Line drive throw. Caught at the 10. And Gentry to the 5. Running on the hash after he spun the big tight end. Got a first down to the 3. Gain of 11. Zeros on the clock. And that will do it. And Roethlisberger's career is over. The Steelers are gone. The Chiefs will advance.
4: The Steelers losing to the Kansas City Chiefs 42-21 to at Arrowhead Stadium yesterday, Randy. And as you heard Kevin Harlan say, the last snap, he hasn't officially announced his retirement, but the last snap for Ben Roethlisberger, who's had quite the career. Let's go over some of the numbers. So since he was drafted as the 11th pick of the 2004 NFL Draft, he has two Super Bowl victories, six Pro Bowl selections. He's played in 249 regular season games throughout his 18-year career with One franchise, by the way, which is pretty special. Last night was his 23rd postseason start, and he's going to finish his career in some pretty high company. He's going to be in the top 10 of most major career passing categories, including fifth in passing yards, 8th in passing touchdowns, and he's on the precipice of his 40th birthday, Randy. And when you think about the career that Big Ben had, you have to tip the cap to him for everything that he did for the Steelers franchise and what we got to witness on the field.
3: First ballot Hall of Famer, and not many guys can say they've got two Super Bowl rings. Mm-hmm. Brett Favre can't say that. Aaron Rodgers can't say that. Drew Brees can't say that. So Big Ben has that leg up on those guys. Michelle, I remember... Com, com, not commiserating, just kibitzing with uh, Mike Martz of the St. Louis Rams, the night, this is how the NFL used to be. It, it used to be that the draft was on Sunday and the, the Friday night before I'm over at Rams park, just outside the door talking draft with Mike Martz. And casual. yeah, it, it was totally casual. And he, he said, what do you think is going to happen? And I said, well, obviously Eli's going first mm-hmm. to the chargers. And then the Raiders are going to take uh Robert Gallery, the offensive lineman from Iowa. And I said, man, I wish Gallery would be there for you guys. And he, he wouldn't have been. He's not, he's not that good. You don't, you don't want him. He said, so the Raiders are going to take Robert Gallery? I said, yeah. He said, I got to call Nor- Norv. They got to take this Ben Roethlisberger. Wow. He loved Mike Martz loved Ben Roethlisberger. And he was good friends with Norv Turner, who had no juice in that draft room because of Al Davis. And they wound up taking Robert Gallery. But how times would have been different if... Martz would have been able to get to Norv and Norv would have had the juice to take Ben Roethlisberger.
4: We look at the Steelers and they obviously have a rich tradition that spans well beyond the Ben Roethlisberger era. But what would that era of football look like for them had they not had the steady... And consistent Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. I mean, everything that they did ran through him. He shaped everything. He was a franchise-altering pick.
3: He really was. And there's not many of those guys, especially for a franchise like that in football. But what a great player he was. That's four downs on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. We've got take it or leave it in Carrick and Smallman on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
0: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780, Carricker and Smallman, and take it or leave it. And Michelle, as you might have guessed yesterday at AT AT&T Stadium after a disappointing loss, there were a lot of fights, some in the stands, some outside AT&T Stadium. Cowboy fan versus cowboy fan. Wow. Cowboy on cowboy crime? Yes. Wow. We had it. Take it or leave it. They should be used to this by now.
4: The losing or the fighting? Yeah, the losing. They they
3: shouldn't have to fight. The the emotion should be sapped from them after not having been to a Super Bowl. Michelle, since 1996, St. Louis has more Super Bowl wins than Dallas does.
4: I mean, they've now gone 11 straight playoff appearances without reaching the conference title game. I mean, it's the longest streak all time. So, yeah, they should be conditioned to this.
0: I would say so. Yeah, take it.
4: But when your owner is saying Super Bowl or bust, Randy, your expectations get higher. And that's what I I say all the time. Expectation is the root of all heartache. So when they expect to win the Super Bowl and then they don't, they get bounced in the first round, I would imagine that they've got some feelings they need to work out.
3: Uh, Okay, that's legit. But... And maybe it's different because I sit here in the Midwest. Maybe they don't understand that their owner's an idiot.
4: I think they know. <laughs> I think they're I hoping mean, they win in spite of him, though. Okay, you know, so I think they're aware, though. When,
3: when he says Super Bowl would bust, they believe it.
4: Super Bowl or bust.
3: Yeah, don't believe it. He's an idiot.
4: I think they're thinking, uh-oh, it could be a bust.
3: <laughs> <laughs> they know now.
4: And it was, in fact, a bust.
3: And by the way, that team was not going to the Super Bowl. I'll do respect.
4: Uh, I'll take it or leave it that just popped in my head. Take mm-hmm. it or leave it. It made them the Cowboys loss that much sweeter to you personally, too, that Tony Romo was on the call.
3: Oh, yeah, I'll totally take it. Uh, and and I, I'm a Tony Romo fan. And he should be a Cowboy fan, but he is. And it hurt him, especially the last play. Mm -hmm. You could tell it hurt him.
4: So here's my actual take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. After tonight, uh, Stan Kroenke and Jerry Jones are going to go on vacation together because they're both going to be free next weekend. I
3: will totally take that. Yeah, they can hop in their private jets and go somewhere in Mexico and watch the. Well, they won't watch the games on TV. They'll just commiserate.
4: Maybe they'll just talk about their money. Yeah, because that's one aspect they where they matters. feel like they're winning yeah do you think they bring up the 790 million dollar check or
3: oh yeah because uh, that they'll was an L st- they'll still think they won even
4: well, though it's an L did.
3: yeah we only in, had to give up 79 yeah. million Stan we're all right yeah but you didn't have to spend six billion on your stadium
4: If the Rams do, in fact, lose tonight, this is going to be your perfect trifecta. The Patriots are out. The Cowboys are out. If the Rams get out, you're going to hear a very happy Randy Carriker this week.
3: It'll be as good as it gets. You're right. (laughs) It'll be amazing. And by the way, even if the Cardinals or the uh, Cardinals don't win, if the Rams do, it would not bother me one bit to see the Rams get trampled at Lambeau next weekend.
4: As long as they get knocked out at some yeah, point. Yeah, they, they will. Yeah, I just don't want them to play in the Super Bowl ever, but especially not in their, I guess, air yeah. quotes, home stadium. That they, the, the fact that their slogan is Ram's house and they get infiltrated every <laughs> week with opposing fans is hilarious. Pretty
3: good. I like it.
4: Should we get to some text? Let's do it. All right, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Get your take it or leave it in. Like this one, Randy from the 618. Take it or leave it. The 49ers make it to the Super Bowl.
3: I'm going to leave that. And the reason I am is because I do believe that this year with one bye, the two teams that have the buys in the home field advantage, have a distinct advantage. And I think the team that really has a distinct advantage is Green Bay in the NFC because San Francisco is a warm weather team and either the Cardinals or the Rams are going to be a warm, a warm weather or a dome team. And I just don't see a scenario in which the teams that could go and Tampa by the way later on I don't see those teams going in on January 30th if they have to play in the NFC championship game and playing in that weather and succeeding
4: it'll be very tough to get to go through Rogers and that team and go through the conditions from the 314 take it or leave it the memes on social media showing cowboy fans in a state of sadness and disbelief are the best
3: I will take that yeah did you have a favorite
4: yesterday I love the crying woman
3: yeah, that was fun. Game the, the, not even the over. She's
4: sobbing. Now, yeah, I think knew. that might have been, you know, rum and coke induced. She had a little bit of a mm-hmm. glassy look, and sometimes that just happens. But um, either way, it was pretty entertaining.
3: Yeah, I liked the, the guy that looked like he was from that... Uh, bravo show uh B- vanderpump rules yes and uh he, he's just the uh, sullen with his girl he's got the big chain oh, around his neck he, and he sullen looked,
4: he looked more jersey show than Vanderpump. okay jersey good, shore good, than vanderpump good rules. play
3: but just devastated by the fact that his cow- cowboys were going to lose he looked like one of the guys that was going to get in a fight outside the stadium he probably did yeah
4: he likely did Do you think his girlfriend was filming it for social media yes yeah. i think so too Take it or leave it from the 636. Jerry makes a huge move this off season.
3: I'll take it. I'll t- I'll suggest that uh, he will make a coaching change.
4: I was going to go the same thing. I think he probably makes a big acquisition too or at least tries to. Yeah, he'll try. He he keeps saying Super Bowl or bust and his sense of urgency that he feels to get this done, especially while he's got Dak and some of the weapons that they have on this team, he's going to push all the chips in once again.
3: But I don't know what player he adds. He's got three good receivers, got a good tight end, got two, two good running backs, good quarterback, good offensive line. Their defensive line is terrific. Their linebackers are good. Their, their defensive backfield, they've got an all-pro back there at corner. I don't know what player move he makes unless he does something really wild. And goes out and trades trades Dak Prescott for Russell Wilson I don't know what move you make
4: but would you put that past him
3: no I would not No,
4: they didn't even though Dak is proven to be one of the great quarterbacks in this league think about the hardball Jerry played with him and how we didn't know how they really felt about Dak and if they yep. were gonna sign him and even after the ankle injury when they said he's our quarterback moving forward you didn't you didn't know for sure if they were going to invest in Dak So I would not be surprised at all if he goes out and makes some sort of crazy move like that.
3: Nothing should be considered beyond Jerry.
4: From the 636, take it or leave it, Doug Armstrong is among the greatest GMs, but he signed the wrong goalie. I'm
3: going to leave that. I don't know how you can say that a Stanley Cup champion goalie is somebody that you shouldn't have signed. To me whatever you did with Bennington after the cup you take so and I I guess this person wanted him to sign Jake Allen
4: yeah I don't know I don't don't think so and imagine the I'm sure the same person texting and imagine the uproar the fans would have had if Army did not sign Bennington
3: right (laughs) after he
4: goes on the most unbelievable run we've seen and brings home the first Stanley Cup in franchise history people would have been outraged if he wasn't on the team
3: and people that know a lot more about the sport than I do people that have played we talked to Joey and Bernie they still believe that Bennington has it Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to dismiss their views and their opinions and overvalue mine because I I trust their opinions more than I trust mine
4: one more Randy from the 636 take it or leave it Dak Prescott is way overrated
3: I'll, I'll take it only in that he's a Cowboys quarterback. If he played a, and had the exact same level of success for the Philadelphia Eagles, he wouldn't be a guy that's talked about as a top five guy.
4: It's just because he wears the star on his yeah. helmet.
3: Yeah. So I'll say that, yes, he is overrated. But it's not to say he's bad. He, he's he's a good quarterback. but. People, even though he hasn't won a Super Bowl, he gets well. ESPN's a big part of it, right? Because he's a Cowboy quarterback, he he's perceived differently than he would be had he played somewhere else.
4: I wonder if he would be perceived better if he played somewhere else. Uh, like, what if he? What if he was um, in Tampa Bay or if he was in Green Bay? Do, do you think we'd see the same Dak Prescott? I, I would argue you might see a better Dak Prescott.
3: If if Dak Prescott would have been drafted by Tampa rather than Jameis Winston, then Tom Brady probably wouldn't be in Tampa. So he probably would be perceived differently. I think that's a safe assumption. Yeah. That's Michelle. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Coming up next, the Blues are going to retire Chris Pronger's number 44 tonight. What do you remember about Prongs? And Boy, the Blues coach just loves him. That's next on 101 ESPN. (laughs)
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: It is going to be 8.05 in St. Louis in 3, 2, 1. Woof, 8.05, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, character and Smallman. And don't forget to tune in tonight, 6 o'clock, we have The Blues pregame for you, and that includes the retirement of Chris Pronger's number 44 at Enterprise Center, the captain of the Blues President's Trophy-winning team in 2000. Michelle, he was the captain of the Blues for five years and was the dominant player not only for this team but in the National Hockey League for a couple of years at the turn of the century.
4: I'll leave it up to Al McInnes, who said this about Chris Pronger. Quote, Prongs was certainly the best defenseman I ever played with, and he's in the conversation for perhaps the best of all time, for sure. So, one of the best we've ever seen, but when you get that type of praise from someone like Al McInnes, who's already a Hall of Famer, that tells you all you need to know.
3: And the era in which Pronger played was perfect for his style of play. There were still tough guys in the the NHL, and Prongs was, was a tough guy that didn't have to fight. He just we, we talk about being miserable to play against he'd fit in perfectly with this group because uh-huh. he was just miserable to play against
4: well can you imagine chris pronger on the 2019 st louis blues you want to talk about oh, wave man. of wave coming after you imagine adding chris pronger to the mix
3: yeah chief how about you what are your memories of playing against him
5: just looking back on him i played against him obviously and coached uh, coached him in philly and um he was a great player, one of the great, one of the best defensemen. You know, that's played the game, in my opinion. Um, you know, he was, he's a mean guy. Um, great, great vision and passer of the puck, control a game back there. Um, you know, single-handedly. I enjoyed coaching him. I don't know if I enjoyed playing against them that much because every time I went to hit him, I got a cross check in the face. But anyways, you know, as a coach, uh, you know, I learned a lot. Um, coaching, uh, just from his side of things and how he thought about the game, and you know, he's it was pretty funny. I was running the forwards, and uh, every time you know he'd have a shift, he'd come back, he'd yell my name, Chief, get down here. I'd uh, go down to the D, I'd go by the coaches, go down to the, and he. Tell that guy up front this and that and that. So it was pretty funny. I said, Prongs, I know I'm watching a game. I'm just making sure you're on it. You know, he was, uh, he's a demanding guy by everybody. He, uh, he wants the best out of the coaches and the best out of all, all of his teammates because he expects the best out of himself. And that's the way he played the game.
4: That's what so many of the all-time greats do, Randy. Not only do they expect the best out of themselves, but they expect the best out of everyone around them, whether it's their peers and their teammates or the coaching staff, the way that Chief just told that story. Think about what we saw with Michael Jordan in The Last mm-hmm. Dance or what we talk about with Kobe Bryant. Sometimes the best know that they are going to bring out the best in everybody else, too.
3: Yeah, I just want to make sure you're on it.
4: I know. <laughs> I did not like playing against him because I knew I'd get a cross check in the face. You know, Randy, when you see Chris Pronger in person... And regular shoes and his street clothes you look at him and you're like that is an imposing guy mm-hmm. imagine him on skates imagine him coming at you with everything he has I can't no thank no. you and I would not he, want to be on the opposing end of that
3: he had that long stick and he'd whack your ankles with Ooh. it he was just nasty to play against and by the way when you when Chief talked about him controlling the game in that 99-2000 season there may not have been a more dominant player for a season Than pronger was that year and he was playing well over 30 minutes a game and doing everything on the back end for the Blues and one thing that I I always go back to is back in those days overtime was four on four and most teams would put two defensemen and two forwards on the ice Quenville would just put pronger back there for the entire five minutes and then have three forwards because prongs with, with that long stride playing five minutes in a row didn't bother him at all and that provided the Blues offensive abilities that other teams couldn't put up there with three with two forwards. Pronger, as one defenseman, played as two.
4: Incredibly dominant. This is a question on the text line, the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, that I want to pose to you, Randy. So, um, they said, hey, Randy, I was a little young when Pronger was with the team. Did St. Louis and the local media recognize how great he was while he was here? Can you take us through how fans perceived him, St. Louis perceived him when he first came here and how that evolved?
3: It's a great question because I don't think a lot of fans ever forgave him for being brought here in exchange for Brendan Shanahan. So even though you knew he was, and this wasn't me, I, I love the guy, but I think there were a lot of fans that because of who he got traded for, they never appreciated his greatness. He wasn't scoring 50 goals like Shanahan was. He didn't win a Stanley Cup like Shanahan did. And so I do think that there was a reticence on the part of a lot of fans to recognize Pronger's greatness? I think that's a great question, and I don't blame people because it it was disappointing yeah. when we traded Brendan Shanahan. And especially Prong's first year here was not great, and he got booed a lot, and he was only 20 years old. There were a lot of things that went into it. But, boy, w- did he become great. And that wound up being a great trade for both teams. If you were the Blues, if you would have been able to find somebody else to score— you would have been fine but I'll tell you this look at it this way the Blues traded and Scott Stevens was awesome and won three Stanley Cups the Blues trade wound up losing Scott Stevens to get Brendan Shanahan traded Shanahan for uh, Chris Pronger if you would have made the trade in 1995 of Chris Pronger Uh, Scott Stevens for Chris Pronger, at the end of their careers, you would have felt pretty good about it. Yeah, As great as Stevens was, both Hall of Famers, Pronger would have made you feel pretty good about what you had defensively.
4: I just remember Brendan Shanahan being one of our guys, and St. Louis loves their own, and not having Shani around and the way that you felt about the team or the state of the team or some of the moves that were being made, it just felt like a lot of those feelings were unfairly projected onto mm-hmm. Chris Pronger, yeah. despite what he was able to do on the ice. So um it's, it's interesting to see the way that he's revered and beloved now.
3: The only player other than Bobby Orr to win a Norris Trophy and an MVP in the NHL, and when you look at the career ninth all time in blues assists this is from the blue line sixth in penalty minutes no surprise there (laughs) spent five seasons 97 to 98 to 01 02 as the blues captain then he hurt his wrist and missed a season and chopper took over as the captain last 35 years his plus 52 he was a plus 52 in a season wow is tied for the highest single season plus minus of that time and I'm convinced that if Alex Petrangelo would have stayed here, Michelle, he would have had his number retired by the Blues. Who's the next, and I don't think he will now, by the way, who's the next player to get their number retired by the Blues?
4: That is an unbelievable question. I would obviously think you would lean towards someone of this era because it's the team that was the first to win the Stanley Cup in franchise history, I'll float someone out there. What about Ryan O'Reilly? The captain, he was the missing piece. He clearly has embraced representing the Blue Note and Mm -hmm. being a part of the St. Louis community. If he finishes his career out here, don't you think that he would be the guy?
3: I think that's a very strong possibility. He would be a long-term captain for the Blues. He will have won the, the Connie Smythe as the MVP of the playoffs. He, he would be a Stanley Cup winner. I think that's a logical guy. But I look how long it took for prongs. I don't think it'll be anytime soon.
4: No, I mean, and Ryan O'Reilly is is the one name that we could throw out there. It's a it's a a very big honor and a rarity yeah. for the Blues to do something like this.
3: And by the way, we were talking the other day, and we're surprised that Ryan O'Reilly is only thirty years old.
4: I know that is so. <laughs> st- I just when you watch these guys night in and night out, and you go through the battles emotionally with them, watching them, you you just think that they're older than they are because yeah. of the time that you spend invested in them.
3: Yeah, and uh, I was thinking, oh, 34 years old, he'll be a free agent in a year and you don't really you, know, you you have to debate signing him when he becomes a free agent in a year. No, you don't. You sign Ryan O'Reilly. You you give him an extension like this coming off season.
4: Also with Ryan O'Reilly, he's such a good leader and Mm -hmm. he approaches everything with such um, a level of grace and maturity that he's wise beyond his years. You just expect him to be older because of the way he carries himself.
3: He will turn 31 on February 7th and I have to believe that Ryan O'Reilly will be a big part of the ceremony tonight honoring Chris Pronger. Be in your seats early. The program is going to start at 6 and it'll take 50 minutes or so. And the gates are going to open at Enterprise Center tonight at 5 so that we can honor a guy that uh, not only was a great blue, but stayed here in St. Louis and has his business here in St. Louis and is a great member of the community. Chris Pronger, and that number 44 will never be worn by another blue. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up. We're going to talk with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time now for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Sliman Brothers, your local appliance expert. Online at slimanbros.com.
3: Hey, if you'd like to participate in the fight, it's coming up in our next segment, and you can just text the word fight into 65780, and we'll pick a fighter, and maybe you'll be the one to go against me today. It's Carriker and Smallman, and two the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line we go, the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, joining us here as he does every Monday morning on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Kerbs. How are
2: you doing? Randy, Michelle, I'm doing great. Uh, great weekend. We got the Christmas decorations down. We saw a great <laughs> hockey game. I mean, I got it. I, I look at this as a heck of a good weekend.
3: No doubt. Hey, I want to start with this because Chris Pronger was in his prime as you started as the voice of the Blues. What are your strongest memories of calling games with Prongs playing about 30, 35 minutes a night?
2: You know, he I, – I think you guys have touched on this earlier in the show, but when, when I've been asked this question a lot lately about what, what you remember about Chris Pronger, it was just sheer dominance – it it was a competitive drive that i mean honestly i i haven't seen matched it, it's unbelievable he he could he could take over a game he'd play 30 sometimes 35 minutes a game and and would dominate every time and my favorite part absolute favorite part of watching chris pronger play would be when uh, even prior to the trade when Keith Kachuk would come in front of the net and then Adam Foote would come in the front of the net. Some of the greatest doggone battles you've ever seen in front of the net would be Adam Foote going to the front of the net and Chris Pronger meeting him right there. And it's still a part of the game today that I wish somehow the league would find a way to get back because it took guts. And you heard as you guys played that cut from Chief, you know, you'd go in to hit him and you'd get a stick in the face. I talked to Al McInnes about it, and Al's, Al's fantastic line you know, is, is the the fact that you almost hated playing with him because you knew the puck was going to get dumped into your corner instead of his. He was just a guy that could control the game. And the other part about him, uh, Randy, that, you know, and you got to see a lot of this, uh, the average fan maybe didn't, he was, he was just one of my favorite guys to interview because, one, he held the media accountable. You, if you asked him a yep. dumb question, he'd give you a look. You know, and it wasn't him being a jerk. He he didn't do it like just to, you know, there there wasn't this Bill Belichick in him that, you know, that just made, you know, was just a jerk to be one. You know, he, it it was actually part of the shtick and part of the fun. And uh, and I would always, the first interview game one of every single year uh, that I've been here, I've always interviewed the captain, you know, for a a piece for game one. And he and I, you know, and I told him, I said, listen, I I know you get a lot of demands. I'm not going to come to you very often you know, for things. But when I do, you'll know it'll be an important thing. And he, he was awesome about it. So uh, what a, it's a special, special night tonight. That ceremony starts at six. From my standpoint, it's a tremendous honor to be able to emcee the event. I did it for Al's and uh, to get to do it again for Chris here is, is really cool. And it's one of the great honors of a team, I think.
4: Curbs, I wouldn't want to be one of those media members. That's getting that look from prongs after I asked a bad question. That's for sure.
2: Well, <laughs> listen, th- there was one. This happened before I got here, because and Randy, I think you could back me up on this. I believe this happened after they lost to San Jose in the two thousand playoffs. And um, one of the one of the TV stations or somebody had sent in someone that just didn't know a whole lot about hockey, and they asked Chris in the locker room after that Game Seven loss. So, what do you think your chances are of winning the Stanley Cup? Yeah. And and he just kind of gave her a look, and you know, well, not very good. (laughs) I remember that.
4: That's a pretty good one. Well, Curbs, some
2: deserve it, to be honest with you. For sure.
4: Sometimes we all mess up asking the questions. But I wanted to ask you about the perception of Chris Pronger. Obviously, tonight he is getting his number retired and he's one of the most beloved and revered blues in franchise history. But that wasn't the case when he first came here. So how did you watch the perception of Chris Pronger from the fans evolve over time?
2: Oh, he he earned it. You know he'll he'll tell you too. And and I don't know what his speech will be tonight. But but he said this. You know, in some interviews that I've done with him, you know, you get traded here for. He was the second overall pick. Alexander Digg was the first overall pick that year to the Ottawa Senators. And, and Brian Burke was with the was with the Hartford Whalers at the time that Chris was drafted. And they actually traded up. I believe it might have been San Jose that had that second pick. They traded up with San Jose to get that pick and chose Chris Pronger well you know as an 18 year old and just a young immature kid coming into the National Hockey League you know it wasn't easy on him he had a really hard first few years in the NHL and after two years in Hartford then you get traded here to St. Louis and it's not like you got traded for anybody you got traded for one of the most popular players in the franchises Mike Keenan continued that run of trading on anybody who was more popular than he was and so you know, it was it was a difficult start for him, but he settled in. Uh, having Al McInnes here, I think, was absolutely enormous for him and helped him become uh, the player person he did. And 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 then it grew. I, I think, in the end, you know, I, I don't I don't think anybody at this point in time, or anybody even by the time it was done for Chris Pronger here in St. Louis, I, I don't think anybody could look at that anymore and say that that was a bad trade. Now, and I'll tell you, the one person to the very end, to the absolute very end. That defended that trade every single day was Bobby Plager. hmm. Bobby, Bobby, and Randy, I know you've talked to him about this too. Bob, Bobby, I know Mike Keenan took a ton of heat for that uh, trade, and Mike Keenan deserves a ton of heat for a lot that he did here. But man, I'll tell you what. If you said Bobby, that was a that I can't believe that trade still happened. Bobby would jump all over you and he'd, he'd <laughs> give you the details. I mean, it was something else. So look, in the end, it turned out to be a, a terrific, terrific trade for the St. Louis Blues. You end up trading a Hall of Famer for a Hall of Famer, and and uh, and Chris not only just a, a great part of the organization became and still is such a fabric of the community.
3: Curbs, let's talk about this team. A lot of consternation yesterday, and actually over the last couple of weeks about. Jordan Binnington and we get questions every single morning about Jordan Binnington and does he still have it? What is your thought about what you've seen from Binnington in 2021, 2022?
2: You know what? Look, the thing that that the, well, first off, I I think it's a fair question for, for people to ask the, the way this season has gone, but you still have to look at everything as a whole. He's played the majority of the game and you're within a few points of first place in your own division. So I think that's, that's number one. But if you look at it individually, I I do think that there's another level to his game. Now he competes and he gives his team every single chance to win. I still can't believe the numbers when I break them down on, on how many times, I mean, you know, the singles blues have actually only entered the third period down by two goals, two times all year. (laughs) I mean, it's some just, it's just crazy numbers. And, and, and even look at that last game, which I know in the end is a little frustrating the way it ended, but the, Three goals are given up. It's their three snipers that score it in the slot, all alone, and and he still battles back, makes some huge saves, you know, to give the team a chance to climb back into it. And the team did. And unfortunately, he ended on a goal that no doubt he he would want to have back, you know. But I always I, I learned a long time ago to always look at what led to the goal. And you know, a veteran D man going back behind the net with it missed his man. They left Falk all out there all alone at the end of a two minute shift. That there was just so much wrong. That happened during that shift. Um, that in the game of hockey, I don't think you just look at the goaltender on that last goal, Randy. I think you got to look at the defense. You got to look at the forwards. There were two or three chances just to lift the puck, clear the zone, and regroup. And um, and and there were just kind of brain farts all the way around. So um, I, I think Jordan has to be better. I think he will be better. I think he's got it in his game. He's got that drive. Yeah. And and somehow you know they've got to start cutting down on some of the goals against with with him in net. Uh, But having said that, man, they're in every single game that he's in goal. And it's almost been that way since he started here. It's it's, it's a crazy number.
3: Well, tonight's going to be fun. And aside from the fact that 44 is going up in the rafters, this is a big game for the Blues because this Nashville team is not a team that is doing what most of us expected. I I didn't think they'd be in first place.
2: No, this is actually a huge game from that standpoint when you look at it from a standings because you've got Colorado lurking. You know, Colorado has been able they get to take games off once people get hurt and things like that. It's kind of a weird situation, but uh, Colorado is lurking. They've taken over the top of the division in terms of tight. They played four fewer games in Nashville, three fewer than the Blues, and the Blues are only two points uh, out of it. So a victory here, and you will have tied Nashville back in points, you've got a better goal differential than Nashville. You've scored more goals than Nashville. Uh, you, you've you've actually allowed what a couple fewer goals than they have as well. This is going to be a well well balanced game, and and hopefully uh, you know we knew, we know Tarasenko skated a couple days ago. Hopefully a couple extra guys get back in the lineup too. I still when I consider the play, I go back to that last game real quick, Randy. You 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 put five up on the Toronto Maple Leafs and you had no Tarasenko, Shen, Perron, Butchnevich, and Pareko in the lineup. I mean, it's really what this team is doing is is it just opens your eyes and, and just gives you continued hope. Okay, let's get through COVID. Let's get healthy here, and then we can finally see what the team's going to do in the second half.
3: Curbs, always great to have you with us. Uh, we'll see you tonight at the rink, and uh, have fun with the ceremony.
2: Yeah, you got it. Thanks, Randy. It'll be an awesome night. And, again, everybody, that, that ceremony starts at 6, so everybody get down there early. That
3: is the Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber on 101 ESPN. The fight is next.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN Welcome to
4: It's Karin Smallman here on One Hundred and One ESPN. It's eight thirty-five in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's welcome in Randy's first challenger of this week. Dustin is with us on One Hundred and One ESPN. What's up, Dustin? How you doing?
7: I'm doing good. How are you?
4: I'm doing well. Thanks so much. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight?
7: Uh, I
2: think so.
4: You think so? Well, you need to yeah. you need to know so when you're going against MegaMind.
2: Yeah. I'm- I'll get there.
4: Okay. Well, let's jump right in Dustin question number one. Tonight the blues will be retiring Chris Prongers number including the blues. How many teams did Pronger play for in his career? Is it four, five or six?
3: Um,
0: five.
4: Okay. Question number two. While the football Cardinals were in St. Louis. What was the last year they made the playoffs? Was it 1975, 1980, or
2: 1982? 82.
4: Question number three for Dustin. Tonight the Blues take on the Nashville Predators for the second time this season in their 2017 playoff series who led all Blues defensemen in points. Was it Alex Petrangelo, Joel Edmondson, or Colton Pareko?
7: Um, I'm going to go with Edmondson.
4: Rolling right along, Dustin. All right, question number four. Tonight, the Rams take on the Cardinals in the last game. Oh, wait, let me redo this. I ran right through that. Tonight, the Rams take on the Cardinals in the last game of Super Wild Card Weekend. The last time the Rams played a playoff game as the St. Louis Rams, who was the opposing team? Was it the Atlanta Falcons, the Seattle Seahawks, or the Carolina Panthers?
7: Seattle Seahawks.
4: Okay have our score here waving in Randy Dustin confidence check how do you feel now that you've completed the fight
2: uh not too bad I feel pretty good
4: yeah you should you did a good job Randy please say good morning to Dustin
3: Dustin good morning how you doing
7: I'm good how are you
3: I'm doing well thanks for listening thanks for playing
7: no problem
4: are you ready I'm ready undefeated two weeks into 22 undefeated feeling good
3: feel okay yeah
4: feel okay Randy said before he left the studio, yeah, make sure my machine is up just in case. Just in I win. case, just it in win. case I know. win. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Question number one for Randy. Tonight, the Blues will be retiring Chris Pronger's number. Including the Blues, how many teams did Pronger play for in his career?
3: So Prong's played for the Hartford Whalers, the St. Louis Blues, the Edmonton Oilers, the Anaheim Ducks, and the Philadelphia Flyers. So including the Blues, I would say that it would be Five squads.
4: Question number two. While the football Cardinals were in St. Louis, what was the last year they made the playoffs?
3: Okay, I don't consider it like real, but I guess a lot of people do. It was um, the strike season of 1982. They went uh, five and four.
4: And you don't consider that a legit playoff season?
3: No, it wasn't a full season, but I think the NFL counts it. So if they count it, I'll count it.
4: Okay. Question number three. Tonight, the Blues take on the Nashville Predators for the second time this season. In their 2017 playoff series, who led all Blues defensemen in points?
3: 2017. Well, let's see. You you still had Shat Deuces then, right? I think so. Um, No, you didn't. He was gone by then. Michelle, I'll do the lifeline here, just in case.
4: Was it Alex Petrangelo, Joel Edmondson, Colton Pareko?
3: Well, Petro is going to be my default anyway, so I'll just go with him.
4: Okay. And final question for you, Randy. Tonight, the Rams take on the Cardinals in the last game of Super Wild Card Weekend. Hmm? The last time the Rams played a playoff game as the St. Louis Rams, who was the opposing team?
3: They allowed in 2004... They allowed 47 points at Atlanta to the Falcons and Michael Vick. It was, uh, I think, a 47-17 whooping that the Rams took at the hands of the Atlanta Falcons hope, in 2004.
4: Whooping. Whooping.
3: Hope whoopin'. Now, hopefully, there are some other birds that handle the Rams in a similar fashion tonight.
4: Let's hope so. Go Kyler. Well, gentlemen, we have a tie. Hmm. Dustin and Randy each got three correct, which means we're headed to the tiebreaker round. Some drama on a Monday. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. Randy's going to write his answer down on a post-it today. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to give Dustin first crack at it. Dustin, you're going to have about 10 seconds to give us your answer. Randy will reveal what he's already written down. The first to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. Dustin, are you ready? Yeah. Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, guys. Here's your tiebreaker question. How many games did Chris Pronger play in his NHL career? One more time, the tiebreaker question for all the marbles and the glory. How many games did Chris Pronger play in his NHL career?
3: I'm doing uh, multiplication here. Is that okay?
4: Go for it. Okay. I don't know if that's going to help or They're hurt probably you. probably not going to help Yeah, that. I don't know, yeah. but feel free. Okay. Especially you're doing it by hand. No calculator. No, I don't have There's the no calculator. technology allowed in the fight.
3: Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, hold on. I'm almost got it here.
4: Okay. Dustin, uh-huh. feel free whenever if you have the answer.
7: Um. Oh. I'm going to go with 1,200.
3: And I'm going to go with 875.
4: Oof. This is a close... Close fight. Randy's been undefeated for two weeks. He wanted his machine pulled up just in case he extended the streak. Did Dustin hand Randy his first loss of 2022 or does the streak continue? Grant, ring the bell.
0: The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener.
6: Brought to you by Optical Expressions, providing St. Louis with top
4: quality eye care
0: and eyewear
4: since 1997. A new champion on the throne in 2022. It's Dustin. He's the first one to take down Randy in this year. Congratulations, Dustin. You were closest to the pin, which means you take home the victory. Thank you. You seem really enthused.
2: Yeah, I am. I mean, football was what I was hoping for, so... (laughs)
4: I love it. Well, let's run through our answers here. So tonight, the Blues are retiring Chris Pronger's number, including the Blues. Prongs played for five teams in his career. Randy ran through them, Hartford, St. Louis, Edmonton, Anaheim, and Philadelphia. While the football Cardinals were in St. Louis, the last year that they made the playoffs was, as Randy pointed out, 1982. Back in 2017, in the playoff series between the Blues and the Nashville Predators, the guy who led all Blues defensemen in points was Joel Edmondson. Mm. Four points, Pareco and Petro with three points each. And the last time the Rams played a playoff game as the St. Louis Rams, the opposing team, again, as Randy pointed out, was the Atlanta Falcons. The tiebreaker question was this, how many games did Chris Pronger play in his NHL career? Randy guessed 875, Dustin guessed 1200, the correct answer. 1,167
3: games. Wow. I I was not going to be closer than that.
4: 1,167 games for prongs in his NHL career. Well, Dustin, congratulations again, and you get to come back tomorrow and defend your title, so we'll talk to you then.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, Dustin, good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, our weekly visit with Danny Mack on Carriker and Smallman.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: You heard his voice waiting, standing by, being patient on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. The one and only Dan McLaughlin. 101 ESPN cast member, the voice of the Cardinals on ballet sports and a guy who had the opportunity to witness the entire blues career of Chris Pronger as a member of the media or a fan. How are you doing this morning, sir?
7: Well, I'm a little nervous to be joining you because you lost the fight. So I, wasn't gonna, <laughs> I wasn't sure what kind of mood you're going to be in.
3: Dan, I'm bitter. I'm totally bitter.
7: Well... I was surprised you went under a thousand games for prongs. What what was your mindset there? That he he was dealing with the concussion stuff and and uh, the time in Philly that didn't give him enough time to to get to a thousand games.
3: So here's the way I did it, and I might just be bad at uh, math, but he he essentially played 17 seasons, and I did 17 times 75. I didn't have a calculator, and I think I might have gotten it wrong.
7: Yeah, you did. You know. So. Yeah. Well, you're, are you in a good mood or a bad mood? I'm in a
3: fine mood, Daniel. I'm I'm doing good.
7: Yeah, he's I'm,
4: in a great mood, Dan. Now that you brought it up and you're rubbing it in.
7: Sorry, Michelle. I'm so All bad at it. All he does is win, win, win. You know, I didn't hear any of that stuff. Just win, baby. I didn't hear any of it.
3: I'm so bad at it okay I'm gonna use a calculator here if I would have had would a calculator have been allowed Michelle or would you have said no
4: I don't know that's something that we need to discuss Dan what do you think should a calculator have been allowed because I don't know if the listener is putting us on speakerphone and going into their calculator app to do things like Uh, that so I don't know
7: I know Randy and I both went to Lindenwood, so yes we need a calculator (laughs) and we studied communications and I'm we, not saying that. I mean, if you go to Lindwood, you're going to get a great education. Sure. because we We're we were communication mm-hmm. students, so we're not great on math. That's why we're doing what we're doing.
4: That's right, and we get so, into yeah, this business because have
7: been allowed.
3: By the way, 17 times 75 is is 1275. So, uh, I I think that uh, Dustin still would have gotten it right. Yeah,
4: he he still would have been closer to the pen. Yeah. yeah. So the the problem. Right. I, was,
3: I was off by 400. <laughs> <laughs> it my math.
4: Good job, good effort though,
7: Randy. Uh, you guys
3: You guys have seen my uh, my high school transcripts.
7: Oh, we have. And uh we saw the uh the, the best part was not necessarily seeing the uh the grade, it was just the description. Randy seems to be a little disturbed in the back of the room Distracted. by looking at sporting newses and, and sports illustrated <laughs> and everything else. He was yeah. Uh yeah, just, you know, Hey, you didn't, you didn't study a lot. That's okay. No, I didn't. But you knew your sports, and that, that seems to have paid off. It's working.
4: Well, Dan, you know your sports, too. And as Randy mentioned, you had a front-row seat to Chris Pronger's career. Talk about some of your favorite memories of Chris Pronger. And I know you you've said this many times on our airwaves. You tweeted it recently. He was one of the most dominant players you've ever seen, right?
7: It, well, the one season that he won the MVP in the hard um, – uh in the Norris I should say the MVP in the Norris it was the most dominant hockey season I've ever seen um been watching a long time and obviously had a front row seat for it and I was doing the blues at that time and he didn't come off the ice it seemed like he was on the ice every single minute and I think he averaged something like 30 or 31 minutes of ice time a game I mean think about that he was on the ice for half the game and it didn't matter what role it was, uh, even strength, special teams, whatever the case was. And he was such a physical presence, too, Michelle, because he was so tall. He was so big. And he was, he was uh, when he first got to St. Louis, not to say that he wasn't built, because he was, but he, he worked himself into great shape, and he got stronger and bigger. And, and you, you, you couple that with the fact that he's 6'6", 6'7", and had the reach and being on skates and just moved so well um, and and just had a nasty edge, as we all know. He was just a great player. And so seeing that year was the most dominant season I've ever seen a hockey player have. It was just remarkable.
3: And then uh, he has said he, he needed to go somewhere else to win, and the Edmonton situation was not good for him. He gets out of there in a year and goes to Anaheim and wins a Stanley Cup, and that was a really, really good team, Dan, and he was the best player on a really, really good team
7: he was and there was hall of famers on that team and uh and i it it was it just it stunk when he left here cuz I, I never felt that he should have left St. Louis i mean you you build around chris pronger and when they were dismantling that team um obviously the the ownership at that time decided to get rid of that contract and say goodbye to him uh it, it was tough and and the front office was forced into a situation in which they they had to deal him i mean they were told you got to get rid of him um he never should have left st louis he should have finished his career as a blue mm-hmm. and and you know with all the the trades that mike keenan made this is the one that stands out and you go yeah i can live with that even though at the time i i think randy you and i were maybe working that night at KMOX, and people were going berserk yep uh, over that 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 deal, because it was for Brendan Shanahan, and Shanahan was such a, a fan favorite. And and who's this Chris Pronger kid? And he's so young, and he's not been living up to the expectations of what Hartford thought when they drafted him number two overall. I think I think Alexander Deg was the first pick, and then it was Pronger, um, and he and he just wasn't the player that he turned into until he got to St. Louis. And so people were going nuts about it, but. With all the different deals that Mike Keenan made, this is the one that you stand, that you say, "Hey, this one made sense in the in the long run." It took a while, but you go, "Man, that was a great deal that Mike Keenan made."
4: Well, Dan, let's talk a little Cardinals baseball here. They announced the signing of 12 international players over the weekend, including Juan Ben Cho, an 18-year-old with a lot of power, who withdrew his name from the KBO draft to pursue an opportunity in Major League Baseball. Given the recent track record that the Cardinals have with international players, what do you make of these signings?
7: Well, I mean, it's going to take time, and you know they've hit on some of these, like, Uh, Randy Rosarena, Adolis Garcia, some of the others, when they decided to dip their toe into that water, and they had built up with the idea that they were going to be aggressive in this year's market of the international free agent signing period. So it does take time, and we're talking about Chris Pronger growing into his body. That's what happens with a lot of these kids. It's just projected to kind of take a look at bat speed, uh, the kind of player that they are, how hard they throw if you're a pitcher, that kind of stuff. And then can they grow into their body? So it takes time. Um, it's a an investment into these kids. It's a great thing for the kids, obviously, because for some of them, this is a chance to, to support their family and get out. Um, but it just usually it's a four or five year period of which you got to wait and see if, uh, if you can hit on this. The thing I would give the, the Cardinals credit on is not only do they, they draft these guys, but you look at their player development led by Gary Larocque. they usually turn these kids some of them, not all, but some of these kids into very good professionals. So the the player development aspect of this is so important and the Cardinals have been at the forefront of that for many years. So we'll see how it turns out. It's a calculated risk, but we'll see how... uh, how this plays out for the Cardinals and for those individuals.
3: And, Dan, anytime you're dealing with 16-, 17-, 18-year-olds, it is a calculated risk, and the, the batting average is not going to be great. Of the dozen the Cardinals signed, maybe one, maybe two will make it to the major leagues, and you just hope that the guys that you do sign wind up having the success, hopefully with your team, of guys like a Rosarena or Alcantara.
7: Yeah, and and the other thing is too. Sometimes they're they're used as chips. I mean, once you're into the system, you know, it's a prospect, and maybe somebody else sees something that they love in that player, and they go after that player, and you get something back, and that's what's happened. You know, with Alcantara and Ozuna, obviously a Rosarena liberator, um, and then just wait for it to play out. But you're you're adding to your system, which is the bottom line. And um, remember, there's been. Uh, the elimination of some minor league teams across the board. So it's a chance to try to get more depth in your system and, um, and wait for it to play out. But again, a lot of times it takes, you know, three to five years for these guys to develop and they're young kids. I mean, I, I don't think people understand that is that these are young kids that have to develop into their body and then get used to playing professional baseball. It's not an easy thing to do.
3: Hey, Dan, uh, Are you going to be paying any attention at all tonight as the Los Angeles Rams lose to the Arizona Cardinals?
7: Yeah, if they lose, I will. Okay, good. If they win, I won't. Then I can lie and say I wasn't watching. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I actually will be watching, though. I'll be honest about this. I'll be watching the hockey game more so than anything else. And really, uh, I'm I'm really fascinated as to what Chris Pronger is going to say. And uh, I know Chris very well. I know his family and um this is very very meaningful to him and he's such a thoughtful guy and a bright guy and was great with the media if you if you knew him in the right way he was fun i mean he he mm-hmm. he, he kept you on your toes and uh and had an edge to him just like he did on the ice and so i i'm looking forward to what he has to say and some of the emotions that may come out of uh, Chris Pronger and his family tonight.
3: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it too. Daniel, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for it. And we will talk to you soon. All right,
7: guys, catch you up next Monday.
3: You bet. That is Danny Mac with us. And he is with us every Monday here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
7: Think
4: about all of the dominant performances that Danny Mac has had a front row seat to, whether it's Chris Pronger, Albert Pujols, he's seen, seen and covered you too. Some unbelievable moments in St. Louis sports history and some unbelievable players.
3: I walk by a picture in my basement every single day of Jim Edmonds, Kurt Warner Mm -hmm. and Chris Pronger, St. Louis named the best sports city in America in 2000 by the sporting news. And I've got that signed, uh, uh, photo of those three. You talk about not only dominant individuals, but dominant teams at that time. You have Mm -hmm. the blues winning the president's trophy. You have the start of a Cardinal dynasty with McGuire on the team. And you have Pronger winning an MVP and a Norris trophy, uh, so you had a Super Bowl team, you had a, a baseball team that was in the NLCS, and you had a, a team that won the President's Trophy. We had a pretty good at the turn of the century.
4: And don't forget, Nelly was coming up at That's that right. time. St. Louis was the center of the universe. It
3: was pretty incredible. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, with those international players, should we be excited about it? That's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: It's 9.03 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, character and Smallman with you. And, Michelle, over the weekend, the Cardinals announced the signing of 12 international players, and hopefully they'll get some big-time production out of their players like they kind of wish they would have from this guy. 3-2.
0: High drive, way back. He'll admire it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Long gone. There goes a
3: So that's what we need out of some of our international guys. And because I hear highlights like that, and because I see Sandy Alcantara emerge as a candidate to win a Cy Young, I can't be too excited about the way the Cardinals are going to evaluate these guys until they keep them and bring them up to the big leagues.
4: Okay, but try this on for size. Okay. What if that was Randy his peak, and we get moments like that and then some from Matthew Libertor?
3: I, I would like that, but
4: you know we haven't seen this the, one play out yet. The
3: thing is, I want the Cardinals to do a great job of evaluating international talent, which they do, and then have that international talent work out for them. Because you look at Ronald Acuna with the Braves. The Braves signed him and mm-hmm. brought him through their system, and they're super proud of him. Juan Soto with Washington. They signed him, brought him through their system. They're they're super proud of him. I, I want to see those guys sign with the Cardinal organization and be in the Cardinal organization for life. And to this point, you've had Carlos Martinez, who isn't going to end his career. He may end his career with the Cardinals, but it's going to be in an ignominious fashion. Right?
4: Yeah, not not the ending we all expected. No. Or the career.
3: So aside from Carlos, probably the most productive international signing the Cardinals have had is Johan Oviedo. For, for them. Now, they've gotten rid of a Rosarena, they've gotten rid of Alcantara, they've gotten rid of Adolis Garcia. I want to see those guys come up and be what they're supposed to be for the Cardinals, and that means good, young, inexpensive talent that you can have for a half dozen years or more.
4: Well, with some of the names you just mentioned, When I see the Cardinals are going out and making some of these moves and acquiring these young players, I have no doubt that they can scout the talent. They've done well on the international market. Mm -hmm. And I know that you would like to see them retain some of that talent. And as Dan just said with us last segment, Danny Mac, it's going to take a while for them to grow into their bodies and evolve into the players that we hope to see them be. But for me, I'm just excited that they're going out and acquiring this type of talent, period, Mm -hmm. because whether they grow into it in a Cardinals uniform or they flip some of these guys and get back players that are going to be beneficial them, hopefully, a la Matthew Libertor, mm-hmm. you know that the Cardinals, for all the things that, that they do, scouting internationally is one of the things that they do really well.
3: And some of their top 30 prospects are still international signings. Malcolm Nunez is a guy who, as a 17-year-old, won the Dominican League Triple Crown. He has a chance to be a really good player. Jonathan Machado is an outfielder that they have, I believe, at the moment. He's their highest-rated outfielder in their top 30 prospects. So there are some guys that have a chance to ascend to this level with the cardinals and michelle i'm like you i'm really excited about this class and especially the fact that the cardinals took it upon themselves to go to korea and this is south korea not north Mm -hmm. and
4: (laughs) (laughs) important distinction yeah uh,
3: sign a center fielder by the name of wan bin cho an 18 year old who's uh Korean high schooler. Mm -hmm. So the Cardinals truly are taking a global approach to scouting.
4: Yeah, the first amateur player from Asia that the Cardinals have signed. I was watching some video of him last night, Randy, and he's obviously got the power and his projections are already so far ahead in a lot of different categories. He looks like a guy that the Cardinals could have really hit on. And obviously, it's going to take some time, as we mentioned, for him to grow into what they project him to be. But all the signs are there that he could be a very productive player for this Cardinals organization.
3: one of the scary things for me, and I hope the Cardinals do a great job of this, is for all of the complaints we've heard from minor leaguers about not making a living wage. You come over here from South Korea at the age of 18, and now the major leagues are going to at least provide housing. Mm-hmm. But my guess would be that a guy like Win Bo Cho is not really. Educated as to how how we eat in America. There's a lot of young players that come from other countries, hockey players from Russia, minor league baseball players from Latin America who do a lot of their eating at McDonald's, taking nothing away from McDonald's. It's delicious, but you can't have every meal there. And I hope the Cardinals educate their youngsters, especially guys from other countries, as to how to go about being in the best shape that they can possibly be. Take care of them. With all the sports science that you have about getting enough sleep, about eating right, about staying healthy, that shouldn't just happen at the major league level. I think that has to happen for an 18-year-old that you're bringing over from Korea.
4: Well, he has, what, a $500,000 signing bonus, so he's got the money to be shopping at Whole Foods. He doesn't have to go through the dollar menu at McDonald's. But I would imagine... he has to know. Of course, but I would imagine that he's not eating McDonald's every day in Korea. No, that's why
3: I'm saying it's a, a lot of players come from overseas, and they think, oh, well, that's American food. McDonald's is American food. Yeah. It happens. And so that's why I think guys need to be educated on just having proper nutrition and getting ready for the major league level. One of the things that Chris Pronger says is that he had really no idea how to work out until Al McKinnis sent him to his guy, mm-hmm. and he found out how to work out and eat right. And Prongs at that point was 20, a 20-year-old 20 Canadian.
4: But to today's athlete, the modern athlete, I think takes so much more into the investment mm-hmm. that they put into their body whether it's from a training perspective or a health and nu- or a nutrition standpoint their overall yeah. health is something that they really focus on it's it's in part i think because of the TB12 stuff where Tom Brady is talking about everything that he does to fuel his body the way that he stretches i mean we're seeing athletes now spend tens of thousands, if not a million dollars in some cases, like LeBron James Mm -hmm. in preserving their bodies because they know that that's the vehicle that's going to propel them to more success and more money. So I would not be surprised if that's something that the Cardinals already have in place where they're teaching these young kids how to really maintain their health.
3: You can be better for you and it'll be better for us. Don't tell them that part. It'll just be better for your career. If you take care of your body in the best way possible.
4: Well, you can say better for us because if you're having success, that means you're likely having team success.
3: Yeah, but you just want to make them feel like we only care about you. We really don't care about our success. We're, we're, we're concerned about you, not really us.
4: You're special.
3: <laughs> exactly. The other guy the Cardinals signed, by the way, a uh, shortstop named Jonathan Mejia. And Derek Gould says he's a switch hitting shortstop from the Dominican Uh, They also signed a Venezuelan catcher by the name of Luis Rodriguez. So the three names to keep an eye on are, uh, first of all, the uh, Korean slugger, Wan Bin Cho, that's W-O-N-B-I-N-Cho, and then Rodriguez, the catcher, and Mejia, the shortstop. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up. We're going to talk to, are we doing Donnie Fandango next year? Yes, killing he's me coming
4: slow? in. Donnie's coming in.
3: Donnie Fandango of the Bills Mafia will be here in studio on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Play fake and a zip pass. Oh, what a cradle catch by Gabriel Davis. And he walks into the end zone, touchdown. A 19-yard connection from Josh Allen. Another knee for Trubisky as the Bills' sidelines spill out. The final seconds fade away, and the fans go bonkers in
2: Buffalo.
3: That happens Saturday night, a 47-17 rout by the Bills of the New England Patriots. And uh, you often hear the voice of Donnie Fandango on the Last Minute Blues podcast with Jamie Rivers and Jeff Burton. You hear him on 105.7 The Point and 106.5 The Arch. He's a busy guy, and he is a big-time member of Bills Mafia. And we want to get Donnie into studio because... Of the 47-17 victory, and you have been smiling ever since you walked through the door.
1: I don't think I've stopped smiling since Saturday <laughs> night, Randy. I, 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 I am pretty sure that in the history of my of my life, that yesterday was one of the one of the most positive moods I think I've ever been in. Could it have
3: been any better than slamming the Patriots? No.
1: I mean, I and I don't. I don't mean to not elaborate on that question, <laughs> but no. I mean, it's it's you you've know, been tortured by the Patriots yeah, for a long 100%. time. Hundred percent. I think that it's. I think Brady's record against the Bills is like twenty eight and two Ooh. or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, so much so they've beaten us so bad, so much that I don't even get mad about it anymore. You know. And so when the Blues were on the run to the Cup in twenty nineteen, you know, we're talking about it, and you're like, you know what? If you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And so that's that's what or Saturday represented for, for a lot of us Bills fans. You know, if, if you want to be the one, then you got to do it. And, man, it was just such a great way to see him do it. Yeah, it sure was.
4: Yeah, it was like an exorcism at points. It literally felt like Bills fans and the team, the, the entire franchise has been waiting for that moment to take down the Patriots to slay that dragon. But, Donnie, you mentioned the Bills, and you've been a, a Blues fan your entire life. Yeah. Obviously, Randy mentioned the last-minute Blues podcast. Being a Bills fan and a Blues fan, I think it's kind of a uniquely tortured existence. Yeah. But is being a Blues fan giving you hope that the Bills could, could get it done, that this could be the season? After the Blues got it done, I would imagine it gives you a little bit more hope.
1: A thousand percent, because I can't, you know, I was having the conversation with my oldest son, who's 21, like Benjamin You know, you might have to carry the blues torch for dad after he passes away. That might not be something that I ever get to see. So the fact that that did absolutely does. And then also, too, one of the other similarities that at least I have is that for the blues, I love Coach Berube. I Mm. I mean, I, as a fan, would run through a brick wall for that guy right now. And I feel the same about Coach McDermott for the Bills. I mean, I feel like the plan has been in place the entire time, and they have just went stuck to the plan and the players seem to love him i as a fan love him i mean it's five minutes five minutes left in that game on saturday night it's minus six degrees in buffalo and no one has left no Mm -hmm. one has left and that's the kind of thing that i love about it and i one day will be one of those people without my shirt on with ryan (laughs) fitzpatrick's arm around around my shoulder you know so that one of the
3: other cool things you mentioned ryan fitzpatrick They've got more than twenty years from Jim Kelly to Josh Allen to have that guy and know that the guy is going to be there for a while is a different feeling for a football fan too.
1: It's it's crazy. It's this uh, unbelievable like feeling of like you know what well, my guy can do it. All right, we're not having the best day today. Mm-hmm. we you know things might not be clicking on all the cylinders, but we've got a guy that can somehow you know pull, pull it out. And you know I get a little worried sometimes when I see him running. Um, because because, you know, I just worry about that that inevitable injury, but also I think about the the person trying to tackle that truck that is 240 pounds and is coming right at you and so uh, I I it really does just it, it it changes how everything is you know Stephon Diggs now we've got a mm-hmm. legit uh, wide receiver one and then some you know so it's there's just been a a lot of changing of the guard over the last few years in Buffalo
4: when the Blues were making that run in 19 a lot of fans wouldn't allow themselves to believe because right. they've dealt with so much heartbreak and I remember it all changed for me after the hand pass game there was a lot of signs pointing to why this season was special and why it was going to end differently for the blues but when the hand pass game that would have dismantled so many blues teams in the past ended up being a galvanizing force for them I said this is it this team's gonna win do you feel like this season could be it for the bills and why
1: I mean I I, I oh man <laughs> That's so difficult because after, you know, and watching the Chiefs game last night, you know, like I was getting more and more sober the, the, the longer that that went on, you know, yeah, because of the, like the, the, the daunting task that that is. But you know what, Michelle? I think it could be us just as much as anybody else. I really believe that our defense right now is something else. And it's not and it's something that's been built through the course of the year because mm-hmm. there were parts in the middle part of the season when Jonathan Taylor for Indianapolis was tearing us up that I did not know what was going on. I even believe I called my Bills pretenders on Ooh. Twitter as a <laughs> matter of fact. Ooh. But but again, you know, the the season doesn't end after week 9 or week 8. You know, you got to play the whole thing and so I really feel uh, I, 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 no reason why it couldn't be us. Uh, I want to go back to
3: Josh Allen for one second because I think it's interesting that as Roethlisberger's career comes to an end, when I watch that guy play, I, I see... A, a big Ben. I, I see a younger Ben
1: Roethlisberger. It kind of seems that that same way from body type and the ability to, you know, if he does get pushed out of the pocket, the play's not dead. He can, you know, he can make something. And also too, just that, uh, you know, that that sheer like will to win and quarterback ability to get something done that that shouldn't be done. Mm-hmm. That, that that pass that shouldn't get through. That mm-hmm. whatever. I just feel like he kind of has that knack.
3: For people that are driving down the road saying, why is the St. Louis guy such a an avid Buffalo Bills fan?
1: Why did this happen? Well, two reasons. I was thinking about that, too. My dad hated the Bidwells when I was mm-hmm. growing up and hated, and I mean hated, everything Dallas Cowboy. Oh, so yeah. I, so in my household, it was just My dad didn't really have a team necessarily. He liked Washington, but really it was anybody that would beat the Big Red or beat the Mm -hmm. Cowboys. And so when I was a kid, my best friend was a Raiders fan, and I think I just started watching AFC games with him. And about that time, the Bills were starting to run up scores with Thurman and Kelly and all those guys. And I just I absolutely hopped on the bandwagon at 12 or 11 or whatever that was and have just never never jumped off. That's great. Well,
4: you're a member of Bills Mafia, which is one of the most— iconic and passionate fan bases in all of sports, and you know that these Bills fans are very serious about what they do. Most sports fans are, but Bills Mafia particularly, they have their rituals. They have their pregame superstitions. So I don't know if you're jumping through tables or out in the freezing cold with your shirt off, but take (laughs) me through your pregame routine.
1: I'm insane. Let me tell you (laughs) why. Uh, I had a uh, red uh, Bills t-shirt laid out today and Bills socks, okay? but. I realized that last week in the lead up to this game, I did not wear a Bill's t-shirt or socks any day until game day. You're not Good insane. Good it's- so, I, I I switched it up, different shirt, mm-hmm. socks are blues cardinal socks, Love not this. not not Bill's socks, and I'm not going to wear anything Bill's related until game day on Sunday. It's only weird if it doesn't work. <laughs> exactly right. My Mary thinks I'm crazy. When I went to the auto show on on Saturday, I had a remote there, and I had uh, my my beanie, my Bill's beanie, and my hat. And she said, "Why are you bringing both?" And I looked at her like she was insane. I said, "Well, because the stocking cap is for outside, and the hat is for inside." That's right. Like, yeah. Yeah. come on like how come I'm the one pointing this out to you and,
3: and by the way I read and I can relate you really had to think about your ensemble for Saturday. It wasn't just the the hat and the beanie, right?
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, I got I've got socks, I've got uh lots of different shirts. I've even got a, a jersey. Um I've got an actually a buddy of mine bought me an Andre Reed uh authentic and it's signed by 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 the Hall of Famer, but I don't know that I want to wear that. And then my other jersey is a um is a uh not Charlie Manuel. He was the the uh, the manager for the Phillies. Uh but our That's uh, right, yeah. Charlie Manuel. N- n- no, but our oh. quarterback uh, number three, uh, they drafted him from Florida State uh, in the in the Tom Wally era. E.J. E.J.
5: E.J.
1: E.J., yes. And yeah, that so, was a
5: trade
3: with the Rams, where right. the Rams got traded up to get Tavon Austin. Yeah, and I, I still have that jersey, so I'm not wearing yeah, that one.
4: Worked out great yeah, for, good, for both parties. Okay,
3: so it's Monday, and I know how uh, an avid, passionate football fan is working. So you're thinking about Sunday night right now. You you guys play at 5.30 on Sunday. So are you already, obviously we've
1: talked about clothes. What about menu? Are you thinking about that stuff as you prepare for Sunday already? Not yet. And that's the only part of this that excites my kids. Uh, my kids, my oldest son loves sports, but he will most likely be working. But my youngest, two, they get excited the closer that it gets to the Super Bowl for the inevitable Sunday menu that gets, that gets ratcheted up a couple of notches. So... I You know, I don't know what we'll do, but I would assume Mary is going to hook me
3: Buffalo up. Buffalo wings? Uh, for sure.
1: Well, okay. we'll definitely do like a wing nacho, something or the other. Mm. We did a nacho yeah. bar for New Year's Eve with the kids. Ooh. That ended up working yeah. out to be a big hit. Sounds so great. we might bring that one back. Who knows? But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll eat well. Well, they'll eat well. I'll be too nervous.
3: It's important when you have that nacho bar to have some gouda.
1: Oh, absolutely! Really? So yeah. we don't cheat it. We don't cheat anybody. If you're coming over to the Fandango household for a football or sports <laughs> meal, you're
3: getting the hookup. Hey, congratulations! We're we, we've been around you for a long time, and uh, we know how passionate you are. You deserve it, and uh, hopefully, you can keep it going on Sunday night. Fingers crossed! Thank you guys very much. Thanks for coming by, Donnie. Anytime, Donnie Fandango, one of our favorites here in our, here in our building and our biggest Bills fan on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now?
4: You're killing me, Smalls.
0: You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN.
3: And it is time now for...
4: You're killing me small. Well, Randy, since we don't have an NFL team in town anymore, a lot of us just hate watch. We hate watch yep. the Rams. A lot of people hate watch the Dallas Cowboys because of Jerry's very large role and allowing the Rams to be ripped from St. Louis. And I know you're one of those people, mm-hmm. right? Well, one of my favorite things in sports media is Stephen A. Smith's open disdain for the Dallas Cowboys and their fans. Twitter is a dark place, but one of my favorite thing is to do is after cowboy losses go and see Stephen A. just absolutely gloating about cowboy fans or over cowboy fans and last night it was an all-timer.
1: <laughs> Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Oh, year well, everybody was raving about those boys at Big D. What did your boy Stephen A. say? They they ain't going to even win a playoff game. And sure enough, right on schedule, right when it really, really counts. They crashed like a cheap tent in inclement weather. All I got to say is two things. How about them
5: cowboys? To we'll see your first take tomorrow. Your boy is back. Right on time. <laughs> <laughs>
4: We did see him walking into First Take. We have the TVs up in here. He had a cowboy hat. He was doing a little dance, Randy. And I swear, you and Stephen A. Smith, simpatico when it comes to the way that you observe and take in Dallas Cowboy games.
5: It
3: was so much fun, and it's so much fun to see the reaction of Stephen A., and especially because he does his Monday morning show with Michael Irvin, and Michael is still a Cowboy fan, and all those guys that played for the Cowboys, you get it, but... It is fun to see Jerry Jones lose. It sure is. And it's really cool that Stephen A. puts it on a national stage.
4: You're killing me, Smalls. And especially the manner in which they lost the game yesterday, Randy. It was highly dramatic. So the Cowboys had a final-second comeback. They get to the San Francisco 41-yard lines. There's 14 seconds left in the game. And a lot of people are thinking, Hail Mary, this is what Mm -hmm. they're going to do. Well, that didn't happen. So with 14 seconds left, no timeouts, the play call is for Dak Prescott to run 17 yards on a quarterback draw. Well, then the ball wasn't spotted quickly enough for the Cowboys boys to spike it and the clock expired we, we heard the referee saying that's the end of the game and a lot of people were upset with not only the way it ended but with the play call including Damian Woody ESPN NFL analyst who took to Twitter right after the game and said this one is on Mike McCarthy
5: terrible ending you gotta understand situational football in that particular situation 14 seconds left, on, left in the game clock that's not enough time for you to run a play and spike the football Everyone knows that. It takes 16 seconds minimum for you to run a play and spike the ball. That's a colossal blunder by Mike McCarthy, Dak, everybody. And we've seen this too many times from Mike McCarthy, whether it's just bad clock management, bad situational football. We saw the the 14 penalties. Mike McCarthy needs to be fired. Now,
3: that's a really hot take. Base it on one game or one play, firing a coach, and they they very well might fire the coach that oversaw the top-scoring offense in the entire league. I wonder if Damian Woody, who was playing for the Patriots in 2009 when Bill Belichick went for it on fourth and two from his own 23-yard line, I wonder. and they wound up losing the game. I wonder if Damian Woody was calling for the coach to be fired then. It's, it's so easy to go on TV and say, oh, this one play, a coach should be fired. I think that's one of the stupidest comments in the world is to make a judgment about a coach or a player based on one play. It's just not very. In, and I get the hot take and I get that they have to be opinionated at, at ESPN. But it's just not smart it's it's not logical and if coaches did that or if owners did that think of how how few coaches would be available if because of one bad play call every time you had a bad play call even in a big game you fired your coach
4: well mike mccarthy's a guy who's won a super bowl too who mm-hmm. are you going to go get that's going to be better than him or that you really believe is out there that could get the job done or is better than him
3: and i, I don't know what what dallas thinks but i i think that would have been an interesting question for damian woody who Would you suggest they go get that is going to beat San Francisco in yesterday, in a situation like yesterday?
4: Well, the Cowboys now, Randy, have gone 11 straight playoff appearances without reaching the conference title game. It's the longest streak of all time. And after the game, Jerry Jones obviously was asked about the loss. This is the owner that said it's Super Bowl or bust. And he didn't mention anything about coaching, but said with this group of players, the results should be different.
3: Well, I think this is a time that uh, when you get this combination of players together, you need to uh, have success. Because we all know how it goes in the NFL. The whole thing is set up to take away from the best and add to the ones that
6: need improvement. And personnel-wise, I think we have the best.
4: Personnel-wise, I think we have the best.
3: Personnel-wise, they they were excellent. Now, is that built to be an exceptionally tough team to go toe-to-toe with a, a team like the 49ers? Clearly, it wasn't because the 49ers were able to handle them I don't think that every player on the Cowboys is perfect. And I like a lot of what they have. But I think their backfield now with a compromise Zeke Elliott and Pollard, that leaves a a little bit to be desired. And as we saw yesterday, when you and Mike Parsons is a great player, but when Mike Parsons is out of the game, you really didn't have the depth to replace him. And that's when the majority of the damage that San Francisco did took place was when Parsons was out of the game.
4: You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, Randy, going back to that final play call, a lot of people pointing the finger at Mike McCarthy, some people pointing the finger at Dak Prescott. Most people in Dallas, however, are pointing fingers at the referee. A lot of people are saying that that's what caused Dallas to not have enough time to spike the ball and have one more chance at this, including Dak Prescott, who was asked about fans and their reaction after that game. We saw a lot of sad Cowboys fans Mm -hmm. being shown on the television, but a lot of angry Cowboy fans as well, throwing trash onto the field, just really acting a fool. And Dak was asked about this after the game, and let's just say didn't have the best response.
5: No, I didn't see that. That's um, sad. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a team,
2: you're talking about men that come out each and every day. Of their lives and uh give everything to the sport um give everything to this game of football um nobody wants to succeed more than we want to succeed i understand fans and, and and the word fan for fanatic i get that but um to know everything that we put into this day in and day out try our hardest um nobody comes in in the game wanting or expecting expecting to lose and um for for people to react
5: that way when you're supposed to be a supporter um and, and be with us through thick and thin. Uh, that's tough. At the yeah. Yeah, they
7: the well, credit
5: to them. Then. Oh, credit! Credit to them.
4: Credit to them, saying that he appreciates fans throwing things at the referees.
3: It was a funny joke.
4: I just don't think it's a good look.
3: It's it's not a good look. And by the way. If you're trying your hardest and doing your best maybe you should have paid attention to all the other plays in your NFL career in which the umpire spotted the ball maybe you should know that rule that the umpire spots the ball your center does not right because clearly he's he's either not thinking enough or not trying hard enough to to learn the sport it wasn't the official's fault it was Dak prescott's fault that the umpire didn't have an opportunity to to spot the ball the umpire always every single play is the guy for better or worse that spots the ball
4: and he was hustling to get yeah, there he was. It's, it's not as if he was taking a nice pleasant stroll i mean he was hustling to get it
3: yeah so come on Dak. it's uh, you got a little put a little bit on you too right
4: you killed Well, the Cowboys and their fans might be having a rough Monday, but you know who's not Randy Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, so the Bengals beat the Raiders 26-19 to this weekend. It was the first playoff win for the franchise in 31 years, and I love this story. Their coach, Zach Taylor, wanted to give a game ball to the city and to the fans after this win, so he had a football made. It was, he was waiting for this moment, and he popped into a local bar after the game and delivered it himself, and there's one particular bar that he always drives past, and it's always packed with Bengals fans. It's called Mount Lookout Tavern, and the fans in there, they Got quite the surprise after the game when Zach Taylor and Kevin Hubert, the team's punter, showed up to give the fans the game ball.
6: This is the first of many
4: He had a white and brown honorary football that was made up and had the team's logo on it. And he said that it was a symbol of thanks for the city's support. And he had this idea since the time he was hired to be the Bengals head coach in 2019 and always thought about how he wanted to do this.
3: I love that. And sports needs more of that, need more close interaction. And I know these times it's hard with COVID, but close interaction between the members of a franchise and the, the fans. I don't think it should be just a cold transactional relationship where we pay to come and watch you play and hopefully you enjoy watching us play. I love the fact that he took it upon himself to, to go to that bar. And I, I really hope, Michelle, that, uh, that Sean McVeigh has uh, scoped out where the Cardinals' bars are in, El- in Los Angeles for tonight so that he can go and give them a game ball from the Cardinals.
4: Why would Sean McVeigh give a game ball? To the Cardinals
3: well they're the ones that are going to be paying for all the tickets
4: Oh Cardinal fans right but wouldn't it be Cliff Kingsbury giving the victory game ball
3: he's got to fly home so maybe Sean can just go in as a proxy
4: oh just as a as like a favor yeah to Cliff yeah mm.
3: yeah with his loud voice hey we just want to make sure that you you Cardinal fans are recognized for the great job you did tonight
4: You were so loud. You distracted us. Matthew Stafford is crying. He was on a silent count. His wife is furious. Great job. Love it. Let's hope that happens. You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, Randy, part of the huge reason that the Bengals were able to get that 26-19 to win over the Raiders was because of their quarterback, Joe Burrow, who just proves that he is Joe Cool. He is not too, no moment is too big for him. This is a guy that was built for pressure. And after the game, he was the embodiment of Joe Cool. He showed up to his post-game press conference, and he was wearing some glasses. They were interesting looking. If you haven't seen them, Mm -hmm. head to social media. I'm sure you can find them. And Joe Burrow was asked about his fashion choice and the eyewear after the game.
5: Is there a significance to the glasses? Oh, no. Uh, I just think they're pretty cool. What do you think?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sunglasses? No, I wouldn't call them sunglasses.
4: No significance, just wanted to look cool. Jamar Chase was asked about them, and he says, I think they're Cartier, and he just wanted to rock something special. So appreciate Joe Burrow for uh, taking some fashion risks.
3: I wonder if they were, like my glasses, uh, they're, they're the kind of when the sun gets out. If you've got a lot of light, the, they get darker. And yeah. I wonder if maybe all the TV lights caused his, they weren't sunglasses. To they get, to they get were like orange
4: tinted almost, yeah. yeah.
3: They were great. He's just, yeah. He he's just cool. What do you think?
4: You know what it is, Randy. Sometimes you need to wear sunglasses when your future's so bright, and I you think gotta that gotta that's wear what shades. you got to wear shades. And I think that's what we saw from Joey B. The future's so bright for for him, and that franchise had to throw on the shades.
3: He's got that personality, doesn't he? That seems to fit that number one cool quarterback too.
4: He is everything you could hope for in a franchise quarterback. Let's hope that he's able to stay this way because if you're a Bengals fan, you're feeling pretty good about him.
3: No doubt about it. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with what's on tap, including number 44 being retired by the Blues tonight. And we're going to give you our predictions for Rams Cardinals here on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: Michelle Chris Mortensen tweeted a few minutes ago, quote, understand Cowboys chatter and controversy, but had a consensus of several coaches, GMs, and a handful of former players that 49ers would win game consensus as in about 75% of 20 football guys. Their main curiosity was how Kyle Shanahan would scheme around the Jimmy G thumb injury. Obviously he was able to do that. So Mm -hmm. you had football people that figured before the game started and before that call, that the 49ers were going to win the game.
4: So they're not saying it's Mike McCarthy's fault.
3: No, they are not. They're they're actually giving uh, Kyle Shanahan some credit. And by the way, Kyle Shanahan's done a magnificent job, hasn't he, with of that course. franchise?
4: He really has. And shout out to Jimmy G, the Italian Stallion, a guy who's constantly overlooked, who people don't think is that good, and even through a, a major thumb injury is finding ways to win.
3: This is our house, he says.
4: I loved that as he's leaving AT&T Stadium, and there were a ton of... And I mean a ton of 49er fans there yesterday. You saw the video too, by the way, of Cowboys fans having standing room only and opening the doors and it looked like. What you used to see on Black Friday, people rushing in to AT&T Stadium trying to get standing room only tickets, people running into poles and falling down. It was pandemonium. However, there were a ton of 49er fans there. And after Jimmy G secures the win, he's running off the field and he sees the 49er fans and he's hyping them up and he says, this is our house. And it kind of was.
3: Yeah, it kind of was. By the way, the way that stadium was designed in uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area in Arlington, Texas, is that they do have a lot of standing room seats. But if you aren't in there first and get like the front row, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get it. You can only watch the game on the big screen there. And so you might as well stay at home. So that's why you have that mad rush of people once they uh, open the gates to, to get to their favorite standing room spot.
4: That doesn't sound like a good time to me.
3: No, but Jerry thinks it is. That's how he gets 100,000 people in there.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, people are buying tickets. They're fighting to get in there, only to cry and be shown on national television.
3: Aw. So next week, you're going to have San Francisco at Green Bay. That'll be an entertaining game because I think San Francisco will be able to run the ball on the Packers. The question is, are they going to be able to slow the Packers down like they did Dallas yesterday? Because the Packers have the best quarterback going
4: and you wonder about the conditions at Lambeau as well
3: yeah it's gonna be really cold like single digits and that's not easy although I, I believe that's easier for a franchise that's led by a guy who's from illinois mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. who played at eastern illinois and they've got a lot of players from Cl- northern climes. kyle shanahan Grew up in northern climes and dealt with snow and
0: cold weather.
4: And played for the Patriots who practice in the elements all the time. But I wonder when that goes away. Because Tom Brady, after like a month or two in Tampa, was like, I'm never going back north again. I'm I'm here forever. And even though you've had that in your past, at some point when you're exposed to sunlight every day, you get conditioned to warm Mm -hmm. weather and sunlight. I don't know if it's two months or two years or how long it takes you to get there. And I know that San Francisco is obviously different weather-wise than tampa but at some point you become acclimated to the warmth and even though you've spent your life being in the cold it's just as shocking when you go back there
3: right and i do think there's a difference between having a 25 degree sunny day and night where it's eight degrees yes so we don't know where that's going to be yet but all of this will be set up for next weekend after tonight's game between the cardinals and the, the Rams. It's a St. Louis Bowl. You've got the former St. Louis Cardinals and the former St. Louis Rams against each other battling for the right to go to Tampa to take on Tom Brady.
4: What a bummer for us. Our two former franchises going yeah. against each other. But I think I can speak for a lot of people when I say go Cardinals. I think a lot of people are hoping that Matthew Stafford becomes Matthew Stafford. He's 0-3 in his postseason career. He's looking for his first career playoff win in his 13th NFL season. And according to Elias Randy, only four starting quarterbacks in NFL history have won their first playoff game and their 13th season or later.
3: Oh, So the so odds
4: not looking like great. it's great for Matthew Stafford. Now, granted, he's got a lot of talent around him. And there's a chance he could win this game but that's a stat that i like to lean on when i look at this game i like that you know not the odds are not in matthew stafford's favor
3: by the way he wound up tying trevor lawrence for the league lead in interceptions with 17. so stafford really became stafford in the second half of the season as well hey congratulations to chris pronger former blues captain getting his number 44 retired tonight and it'll be good to see that 44 on the right side of uh, all of those retired numbers the blues are uh, they're running out of numbers now. They, they're going to have a bunch of high-numbered guys for the rest of time.
4: It just feels right, though, to have that 44 yep. in the rafters. That needs to be there. Congratulations to Prongs, an honor so well-deserved.
3: And what a great bookend to have two on the left and 44 on the right. To have McKinnis and Pronger on both sides of that group.
4: How poetic. If That just feels right as well.
3: Yeah, a couple of Hall of Famers, a couple of Norris Trophy winners, and a couple of guys who won Stanley Cups elsewhere. Uh, and... and can flash their Stanley Cup rings around St. Louis. All of that gets underway tonight at 6, and the Blues are going to open the gates at 5 o'clock so that you're in your seats by 6. And then the program is going to take 45, 50 minutes. So make sure that you get in there and enjoy the entire ceremony. And if you can't, you'll hear it here on 101 ESPN with Chris Kerber being the master of ceremonies. And a lot of Blues alumni are going to be there to speak as well.
4: It's going to be really special. You want to make sure you're tuned in for the entirety of it.
3: Yep, we're looking forward to it uh we had a great day today and uh we have uh, we, we, do we have one other thing to go no no go
4: ahead all right
3: uh we're kind of trying to get things going here with our producer andrew marsh decided to leave us
4: he did he wanted so graham is here he wanted to not have to get up early in the morning i yeah. just, i don't so, we can't compete with that
3: yeah so uh, we got through today and uh, mr francis you did a good job thank you very much
0: Appreciate it. Thank you.
3: And uh, Michelle, this was fun. Thank it
4: you. Was. Randy, I'll see you tomorrow.
3: And uh, we will be at it again tomorrow. We appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Have a great holiday for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis.
0: You've been listening to the character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.